0: Well, we may still be under lockdown, but we're here to talk to revision, vision, right, Dom? Fuck, <laughs> i <laughs> Take two. Hold <laughs> on. And go well, we may still be under lockdown, but we're here to talk Jimmy aren't we, Dom?
1: Yep, back once again doing the bringing your remote pish to electric bugler.
0: And uh, I, I, I gotta say, like, this is interesting because now I, we're now at the point where everyone who podcasts or talks about video or does videos or anything like that has a time to be under lockdown and then produce content. So we're now starting to realize that people aren't enjoying like, people thought this would be fine, it's like a three week holiday. Now you're at week three, and it doesn't look like this is going to end, so now we have people just starting to get a little bit cabin feverish.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, there's talk of the, the lockdown extending for another three weeks, at a minimum, so I think this is going to be something that people are just going to need to get used to. It's going to be June before you get back out, if you're lucky.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine this going any shorter than, like, end of May, start of June. And that was just, like, that's me being generous. Um, and then I, I just, I feel like we're going to have to really buckle down and like get into a proper mindset of this, is, this has to be taken seriously. And the Queen spoke about it. I don't know if what more you people need. Her Majesty has spoken. Get in your fucking house. Stop trying to house yeah, parties.
1: The thing that people took away from the Queen's speech was not the fact that she had a very powerful message to deliver, that message being stay in your fucking house don't leave the fucking house, stay safe, stay home. You what people took away from that video was the fact that she was wearing a green dress or a green jacket or something, so they just went to town with a green screen. Like, they gave her like, tie-dye t-shirts and weird headbands, they gave her uh, Star Trek admirals, red shirts and <laughs> shit like that. They went to town with that stuff.
0: Actually, I just I googled this because I knew that uh, the first week of the lockdown, Greater Manchester Police had an absolute nightmare. They shut down 600 house parties, we are technically getting better apparently uh, this weekend it was only 494 so we're getting there oh, kids that's not bad. final when you're your, uh, your no coronavirus parties don't uh, cough on each other no running out to get non essential items we're getting there it's only taking several weeks of a global pandemic for people to take this seriously
1: yeah it's now getting to the point where the police are doing active sort of drive throughs of my local area just double checking that people aren't in the the park that's across from where I live or they're hanging about in the the numerous sort of open field areas that are situate around bonus because no one was taking this shit seriously until you know the police had to step in.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's just I think we talked this in the past before it's just there was a threat out there but it's not a physical visible threat. So it's very hard to explain to people who, you know, don't understand that this is a virus that doesn't it spreads before uh, you're symptomatic, like, you're you're spraying this everywhere before you even know you have it. I mean, the, a lot of people seem, like, the news coverage has changed. Um, It was all about the prep and the numbers and, like, the total of uh, people affected in, like, the US and Italy, and now that it's hit the UK, it's totally changed because uh, this week Boris Johnson had it and was actually hospitalised um, and taken to an ICU because he got the virus. Um,
1: yeah, he got the, he got the virus.
0: Yeah, and, uh, I gotta say, like, there's no way that this was done intentionally. Like, he was gonna get it eventually. He meets with too many people, who meet with people who uh, have the virus. So, like, it's he's gonna be transferred to eventually. Uh, he also made the fucking idiotic mistake of walking through a hospital, shaking people's hands at the start of the outbreak. Yeah, um, which that was dumb. probably didn't fucking help. Um, yeah. But the amount of attention. Need your own said,
1: advice and wash your damn hands, Boris
0: Johnson. <laughs> it's it's almost as bad as the uh, the woman in the US who was saying, yeah, don't touch your own face, and then she licks her hand to turn a page. I don't know if you remember that clip but that was fucking I haven't sick. seen
1: that clip but that person is at the shallow end of the gene pool.
0: <laughs> she, I'm pretty sure she was a doctor and like a senator at one point and you're like, what the fuck are, is wrong with you? Um, but yeah, like they've they've clearly just decided we're going to have to like make, the, make uh, the Prime Minister uh, seem like a very relatable person so let's Make sure everyone knows that he has coronavirus. Like, it was daily updates about how he's doing in the hospital. Like, He's on a ventilator. He's not doing fuck all. Like, leave it he's be. He's sitting
1: there doing the same shit for a week.
0: He's he's lying in a bed breathing. If that stops, yeah. I'll pay attention. Otherwise, he's just lying in a bed breathing.
1: I get that Boris Johnson has not is not the most popular person. He has, n- has never really been a popular person, but to the people of Twitter saying, hurry up and die, Boris Johnson, go, go and have a think. Go and phone your phone your dad, phone your mum, have a conversation, there's clearly something else going on
0: here. <laughs> have a conversation with someone that doesn't involve tweeting them. Um, yeah, uh, we are clearly actually...
1: angry at the wrong people, here. Yeah. yeah,
0: we should point out that um, to people who don't come from the UK, um, Boris Johnson wasn't technically elected, really. Um, he was, uh, he's like the head of the Labour, or he's the head of the Conservative Party, and yeah. uh, we voted for them under Theresa May, and... Um, I say we, I'm using the Broadway for the UK, but they, the UK selected uh, the Conservatives to you know, lead the government, and Theresa May was there. She stepped down uh, because Brexit was in absolute shambles. And then Boris took over, and they ran it. They ran Brexit right the way through, and then they just were done. Um, and now he just happens to be the guy in charge when coronavirus sits. So there's a lot of people who don't really like him and will take every opportunity to shit on him, so... There's a there's there's a bit of that when it comes to media coverage is they, they want to try I think they want to try and humanize him a bit.
1: Yeah, they are, they are taking this chance to maybe make him seem like less of a a monster, or make him seem like less of a bad guy. But that's how he reacts to his when he gets the he's been he's been discharged for the intensive care, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, I think that was last night. They roll him out of the ICU, he's just in a kind of general ward.
1: Yeah, I think it's how he acts after his stint with uh, C-Virus that really, really set up the rest of his his term. Because if he just, back to business as usual, (laughs) keeps acting the way he is after his illness...
0: Yeah, and... uh, It's
1: it's the death knell for
0: him. The (laughs) Conservatives Party are infamous for being part of this whole thing to, like, minimise the NHS and try and sell it off and privatise it and generally underfund a, a national resource... That basically it's the UK function well above like we punch well above our weight as far as like economics is concerned, and it's because we can rely on the NHS to do ridiculous things for the, the general public um to like save us in times of need like now. Um just it's not yep. big enough and well funded enough to actually do anything right now. Um and that's why we're that's why our emphasis is on flattening the curve. Like if you're if you're in the UK, um I just got my letter from the Prime Minister yesterday explaining what the british people need to do i think it came out in england like three weeks ago but mm, um tories have always hated scotland anyway so fuck them um yeah, they, but, you know. they've never
1: had the, the brightest view of the scotland yeah the scotland oh jesus christ <laughs> one of those episodes
0: it's been a long day kids we're recording at eight o'clock and uh i'm not i'm not gonna lie with, with this whole lockdown situation the days are bleeding together a lot of people are like Yuck. picking up on that one
1: if it wasn't for the fact that i put this into my planner as being Sunday, I'd have no way to fucking tell that it's Sunday. Is it even Sunday? I
0: don't know. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm booking in all my stuff uh, if I'm doing anything, if I need to be somewhere for a certain time, I'm always putting it in uh, in like my uh, diaries and like notes and stuff like that on phones and on uh, computers and stuff and make as many notes as I can because everything being locked down really just kind of fucks with your head because you, there, there is really no, in a weird way, I don't want to say there's no meaning to time, but it really is kind of irrelevant at this point.
1: Yeah, because no one has to be anywhere for a certain time. Like, i couldn't tell you the i mean i've been getting up at a certain, amount, a certain time every day because i've got you know dogs to take out and stuff like that but if i didn't have that to do i couldn't even tell you the time every day i mean i'm still working like, and I, I have no idea
0: like i'm yeah. still out every, i'm still out most days at work and i'm still just completely an idiot at this point um but yeah the uh the government also is doing like those daily uh news briefings i don't know if you watched uh, pretty patel's one yesterday um, she's a senior uh, cabinet member she's been in the tory part for ages and uh, she was getting so many comments about the fact she didn't have the right tone when addressing the nation or something like that like you guys need to realize these are politicians they don't give a fuck about people <laughs> really it's a weird assumption the idea that a, a politician gets into like that level of government without being a little bit sociopathic
1: yeah you have to be Hey, what's the word I'm looking for, you have to be dedicated you have to be very motivated and that does kind of come with it's own degree of you know, sociopathy not giving a fuck about other people
0: Yeah, uh, and people really especially Twitter, I, I say people like it's mostly just the Twitter mobs see, to forget yeah. that politicians like, the, you gotta understand that you are just a number on a of paper to these people yeah. you, they don't actually You're just not
1: a me. voter yeah. Quite literally just a voter in most politicians.
0: Oh, it changes on election years. As soon as it comes into election year, it, it, you know, you matter. Like we want to make sure that your uh, family are looked after that you yourself are, are gonna do well under our government because we want you to vote for us. And then the second election day hits, you're just a you're just a number. And then you yeah, get them making statements like uh I can't remember who leaked it out, but somebody leaked out of a meeting that um the UK government is basically just accepting the fact that that this will run through the population, which it will. It's a, it's a perfectly illogical thing to say in a meeting of, like, high-level strategy about how to deal with a global pandemic is that this will affect everyone, almost everyone personally, and then it will affect the entire nation. This will be in our national psyche for decades and generations to come. And um, I just... I just The fact that there's people reacting to this going, how, how dare they say that? Are they, are they just giving up? It's like, no, th- this is just called pragmatism, you, you people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It is a pragmatic approach. and It is probably it is the more logical approach, like you said. But at the same time, the nation itself is on high alert. Everyone's you know constantly on edge. On well, for multiple reasons. The main one being the pandemic, and they're just being quite a quite blase about it, quite passive. Just going, ah, it'll run through the
0: population. We can get through this. That kind of approach isn't really the best. It doesn't um, read well on paper, know, like even this. though like everyone would say, yeah, it probably is. But then you have everybody who wants to, to to take things so literally. And then I don't think it helps that people are stuck indoors all day just reading screens and uh, reading news about this, the same issue day in, day out.
1: Yeah, it's got to be something like... As much as I don't like Facebook or Twitter at this point, there are still some people out there who are putting up things saying, oh, we're all sicky talking about uh, COVID-19. Let's post some pictures of, you know, you on your first holiday out with your parents or something like that and let's get a conversation going there's still nice shit like that but I think at a certain point we need to remain updated about this because yeah, it's it's still going to affect us for a while longer we need to keep cognizant of it at least
0: I, I do think that there is um there, there's a time and a place and I would really recommend that nobody spends more than half an hour watching the news a day there's no way you should be engaging in it for like the full like there's a 24 hour news cycle so that anyone could come in at any point in the day to ingest the news and then walk away informed but at the same time I would never recommend someone sit there for more than half an hour and watch the news you'll go absolutely mental before the end of the yeah, day yeah you, you will
1: go insane I, although uh, you could always watch Piers Morgan do an impression of a Chinese man and just wonder how that fucker's still on TV I'm sorry you fucking what mate? <laughs> yeah uh, what's the name of the show that he does is it Good Morning Britain? yeah Good Morning Britain him and the goddess herself Susanna Reed. yeah uh, <laughs> Like she's sitting, they're talking about it was some royal that was doing a milk advert in China and Piers Morgan just goes, he's try, he tries to read the Chinese on the screen and he just goes I, I am Prince whatever, ching chong ching chong ching and no. you can literally see <laughs> you can literally see Susanna Reed just go, like put
0: her head in her hands and just go, you can't say that what Oh my god <laughs> He's Every now and the problem is, every now and again, he say, he says something, you go, fuck, I really can't help but agree with you on that one. And then he says, he does dumb shit like that, and you're like, ah, fuck, this is why I don't like agreeing with you on some subjects, because you do shit like this. Oh, I'm going to go find that clip after we're done here. That's going to be... <laughs> Although, if I type in Piers Morgan being racist, I get the feeling there'll be more than a few uh, videos that come up on that one. Uh, Piers Morgan trying... Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll save that one for later. I'll leave that yeah. open in the tab.
1: <laughs> put, put, it up, put that up on the discord or if you can't find it I'll put it up on discord but yeah it's just from the minute he says the first ching chong whatever the hell it is his course just goes oh Jesus <laughs> why do we let you be a thing and uh, uh, he well, starts I'm trying enough. to defend himself he's saying I'm not doing an impression of Chinese people I'm doing an impression of Chinese language I'm like you're not helping your case
0: <laughs> like, my, my just part, just is stop talking you type in Piers Morgan ch my assumption would be China it is Piers Morgan ching Chang chong Jesus Christ. <laughs> How, I get the feeling this is not the first time he's done that. And this is not from like... We're this is not. like the 21st of January, by the looks of things. This is when the first video I can find uh, any kind of evidence of this whole... This incident. So this wasn't even at from, the height of coronavirus. It might
1: have been earlier in the year, but it's still something <laughs> that popped up recently.
0: Oh, right. excellent. Uh Excellent. Actually, if we're going to talk about uh, weird stuff related to coronavirus and news and celebrities and all these... Uh, weird things. Um, I found out. I, I know you're not a big fan of community, but uh, Joe McHale yeah. and Ken Jong from the show have started a podcast. You know, okay, a lot of people are doing that. Um, yeah. People forget Ken Jong was a doctor. He still is. He, well, he still. I he's, don't know if he has a medical. He still license.
1: does a sort of consultancy work. Yeah,
0: he's still there. Like he still has all the academic backings. He hasn't lost his license. Or I don't know if he can still practice. Um, I wouldn't tell him to scrub up and anything like that but he um, he's, he's still he's also married to a, a practicing doctor as well and uh, they have started a podcast and it is a lot of fun I really enjoy listening to it because I'm a big fan of community and uh, I, I like the fact that Joel McHale is a dick so this podcast is right up my alley um, they had Andrew Yang on the US presidential candidate for episode 2 just because he knows uh, Ken that like they've had conversations before in the past um, especially during like, the elections and stuff uh, because Ken and John wanted to endorse him but wanted to talk to him first um, so trying to give him a bit of a boost because uh, Andrew Yang was swinging for the fences on a fucking low budget he was really trying to make his way into uh, politics but basically mm-hmm. no basis for it and uh, they had him on and I, I was laughing my ass off because they're trying to do a serious interview with, uh, with him but they're-, they're totally new to podcasting so they're not actually doing questions They, at one point, are deliberately talking over each other to annoy each other instead of talking to a US presidential candidate and businessman whose uh, entire thing was universal basic income, which is basically being used right now to support the US economy during the coronavirus. And they're just talking over each other instead of, uh, like, just to deliberately piss each other off rather than interviewing the guest. I was in absolute fucking tears because I was in the the line to go to the, the shops and was just laughing my head off at just this dumb argument that we're having. It was absolutely fantastic. It's a weird way to run a podcast, but it worked.
1: I'm actually enjoying quite a lot of the the online content that people are doing. Uh, I know you're probably not a huge fan of the office or the US office, but uh, the guy that played the main character in that gym, he started this thing called Some Good News, or some good... I think it's the Good News Network or something like that, and that's yeah. that's actually pretty pretty good because I'm just saying like this happened in this town and it was a good uplifting moment and that happened in this town.
0: Yeah, I am getting then, there uh, with the office, so I'm going to start watching it. Um, I think I've watched the first like four or five episodes of the US version and the UK version, so I'm watching them. Um, and yeah, I'll I'll actually check him out because I heard him being mentioned on Philip DeFranco's show when this all started.
1: Yeah, because he yeah uh, he was doing some pretty cool shit for people. There was a uh, a little girl that was, uh, she'd, bought, she'd got tickets to see Hamilton, that right. big show that was directed by that guy from that one episode of How I Met and Mother. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was bombed at the, she couldn't see it. So John Krasinski, John Krasinski got the entire cast of uh, Hamilton on oh, uh, Broadway to sing a song to her. So there's some pretty cool shit in there.
0: I mean, uh, if you've got the contacts, you've got the connections to uh, Lynn manuel Miranda. That's who it is, I remember um i
1: believe his official name is that guy from that one episode of how i met your mother
0: oh my apologies. I didn't realize he changed his name my bad i'm, I'm not yeah, this. he did
1: legally he was sick of the he was sick of being confused and
0: it was, yeah, i, I just should just really just get over and done with and just say yes i am that one guy from that one episode of uh, how i met your mother so yeah i mean if we're going to talk about things to distract you from uh, coronavirus let's uh get into Although, the main bulk of our episode unless you've got something else before we
1: before we move into that, there's a there's certain people that need to be called to task for, you know, just being dicks during the coronavirus. And I'm going to call it my uni, for a, uh, not really keeping up to date with online exams.
0: Oh shit! So many other
1: so many other universities in the country are getting two weeks to do their exams. They're getting, uh, twenty four hours to do each exam, and it has to be, all the exams have to be in before the end or the start of May. Uh, some people are getting eight and a half hours per exam my uni is getting four hours per exam and they all have to be done within 3 days of each other.
0: Huh, that's so, uh pretty harsh given the circumstances.
1: Yeah, it is, it is. and there has been an email that has been collated with all the emails that we've been sent from other universities saying this is what we're doing. This has all been collated and sent off to my uh, form tutor because this is this is shit.
0: So I mean, I just get, I, how do you even justify the fact that there is a, a double standard for your university class which you'll have to do it? under what are let's be honest like normal exam conditions given that yeah. everyone else has just been i get it and at some point in the next week like nobody really gives a shit yeah
1: i mean the, the only bonus about it is uh, we're getting open book that's what they're, that's how they're trying to justify it we're getting open book conditions but mm. every single of the universities that, that's doing exams right now is getting open book conditions as well and they're getting additional time our only saving grace is we're getting double the usual allotted time for an exam but what's four hours to do an exam when other people are getting eight hours, two weeks, till the end of the month? Hmm. It's, it's, it's bullshit. Napier, you need to get your shit sorted.
0: How, when you're talking about being open book, the questions that you'll have to be answering for this exam, you've probably done some mock exams, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, there's, there's mock exams. from Because th- this is a, a little insider secret for all you would-be university students out there. All your exams go in a, a two-year cycle, so mm-hmm. if you're wanting exam questions from 2019, look at that module's exam questions from 2017. So if, so if you
0: I was going to say, like, what's the format of the questions? It won't be just like uh, questions or like ticky boxes stuff. It'll be uh, like essays, right?
1: Yeah, you'll get. It's your typical exam. You'll get three, three uh, questions. You'll get six questions. You have to answer three of them. Some of them will be problem questions. Like A comes into law office complaining of b c d and e uh, advise provide legal authority and you'll get other questions that like explain the entire theory of uh the named person in family law then you'll get other ones it's just here's four scenarios right short notes and four scenarios all oh, this kind of long-form essay questions but there are some essay questions or some exams that you'll need to do you know one compulsory question and that will be about a certain subject so it's not it's something that we're all prepared for but just, it just seems to be shitty that we have to do it in this circumstance but it's where it's everyone mostly else is essay getting questions. much more lenient circumstances
0: well again it's, it's mostly essay questions so you're probably going to just have yeah, yeah. Um, just sheer volume of writing and then concentrating during that process must be an absolute nightmare as much as it is open book and obviously they'll, they'll know if you're just copy pasting um yeah you'll like actually maintaining concentration for four hours during an exam is a fucking nightmare it's the the reason i don't enjoy education that much it's just the the end examinations are just absolutely like nerve shredding
1: oh personally i hate uh, exams at the best of times. but the fact that i'm a law student who in practice will never be without a bundle of notes or without some kind of electronic file that i can just refer to for any case notes then has to do closed book exams I think that's it's ultimately useless it doesn't prepare us for the job at all so i think all exams should be open book anyway hmm. because well, you're never going to be like that in practice you're never going to be in medical practice enough to do everything off the top of your head you will have references
0: yeah i mean there might be scenarios where you have to act quickly but even then you will walk in and say off the top of my head this is the best plan however let me consult with other people let me yeah go back fact check and prepare and plan and stuff like that
1: that's my that's my campaign for a, my fourth year <laughs> try and get open book exams for all law students
0: i'm sure that'll make you popular with the university you'll be fine well <laughs> oh they
1: they'll they love me they'll they, love
0: me anyway they will love me or they will fear me whichever one i decide
1: either way it makes no difference to me <laughs> uh anyone else who needs to call out eh, just the fucking idiots who are uh still going to the park and the taking walks around the woods near my house because like, it's not just because it's sunny doesn't mean you have to fucking go out it's not a holiday you're meant to be inside, isolating, staying safe like, I don't care if you and all your little all your children need to go out and test out their new scooters just stay
0: the fucking side that, that's one group of people I do feel really sorry for is people who have kids, especially like little yeah. energetic, but like get to a certain age, like get a guy at like age 10, 12 to like 15 they're not going to give a shit you're like hey you want to play uh, Fortnite all day do you want to play whatever you know new games out all day today absolutely let me go fucking ham like go ham on the console like i'll be fine with it yeah. but imagine can, having... imagine
1: the the older kids are just having a great time because there's no school uh, that, unless they're being homeschooled because i can imagine there's a lot of parents out there that are just sitting thinking i can't homeschool them i don't have the training i don't have the knowledge fuck it you're on summer holiday between now and august yeah but, they're just letting their kids do whatever the fuck they want. But can you imagine being the one kid that's like, all his friends are saying, "Dude, we're going to be on Fortnite in about half an hour." Are you coming? on? It's like, "Nah, I'm, me and my dad are working through algebra right now." <laughs> no, my imagine dad
0: bought textbooks, and so now we have to learn. I <laughs> was <laughs> gonna say,
1: three hundred pound like, Amazon order, and and it's all textbooks.
0: Is it like, uh, like imagine having a five year old right now? Fuck that! Absolutely. Like it's it's an argument for not being a parent right now is. Just imagine having to entertain a non-stop bundle of energy.
1: I, I mean, my brother's kind of going through a bit of that just now with a very energetic seven-year-old. Ooh, yeah, She's not she's not eight is it? But apparently she's been pretty good about it. She has a bow and arrow, so she's going to shoot targets in her back garden. If she gets bored, she can start shooting neighbour kids that are out playing when she's stuck inside. So she'll have shit to do.
0: She, she'll be fine. She'll be entertained with the screams. Um, as yeah. you can see, do you remember that happened? Like, I actually happened to meet up with like the one kid who had to learn during a break. Um, like we were at a, a, a primary school and it burnt down, and yeah. uh, we got sent home for like two weeks because nothing we can do. And uh, I actually had to keep learning. My mum and dad actually sat and wrote math problems for us to do, and like had r- told us to write sentences and read books and stuff and report on them. Uh, while uh, while you know, school was closed and everyone else was like yeah we're just gonna go out and hang out for two weeks ah I want to do that but I have to learn how to do like math (laughs) I was that kid I just remembered I was that kid growing up
1: I'm pretty sure I wasn't I didn't get things to do but during that two weeks when the school did burn down I think I had to stay inside and only go out when the usual school day had finished hmm I had to stay inside and do whatever the hell I did because I I definitely wasn't homeschooled or anything like that (laughs) both my parents worked at that point so they were just like fuck it you're in the house doing whatever the hell you want no. either that or i got shipped off to one of my aunties for the week oh yeah and i got yeah, told okay. to do stuff in their house
0: a lot of cleaning that you could do for your auntie it was it's was always that thing of like hey you're going to your aunt's house yay uh they, they have stuff for you to do Ah oh, shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey we're th- my auntie
1: i remember my auntie when i was younger they had a big house like, now that I see it, now it's a fairly big house, but when I was younger, this thing was a goddamn mansion. Yeah. And for a kid that played Resident Evil quite a lot, I was terrified of certain rooms in that house. So, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of cleaning to be done
0: in that house. I uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of Resident Evil, the third one that came out, right? Yeah, the third one came out, and two mixed to slightly
1: positive reviews of the game. And I, I, I don't... I can't blame the people that say this is awful, but I also kind of want to check some of the people that say this is the best game ever and it's better than 2 because it's a good game I'm not going to lie, solid 8 out of 10
0: Right.
1: but considering that Resident Evil 2 was a 10 out of 10, maybe even breaking the system to an 11 out of 10 there's some questions that need to be asked about this transition from 2 to 3 because when when I finished Resident Evil 2 the first time, I thought this is the definitive version of Resident Evil 2 the GameCube version is good it's still the OG, but always gonna have a
0: fun memory in my heart but at the same time gotta be real here this yeah. is the real shit they cut out some content from two but
1: they were still the core game there you still fought the giant alligator and the and the sewers you still you know fought the liquor and the police station you still got the gut the same guns here you still hit the same beats
0: now i i'd seen the, the footage of you fighting the, the alligator and sewer. that was in the original as well Sorry, say that again, you cut it. Oh, um, like I've, I've seen the footage of the guy fighting the alligator in the sewer, in the new one, but I didn't know that yep. was in the original as well.
1: Yeah, that was in the original, but it was kind of a bit more fleshed out because uh, when you're trying to go you're trying to go get something in the underground and you go to this kind of big trash compacted area and there's just a blacked out alligator because they couldn't really hide it. They just had to put it in this one location and black it out. So then, when you go and activate it, all like that's when it uncovers, and this clearly crocodile-looking, alligator-looking shape comes at you.
0: See, that's weird because I'd love to see like PlayStation. Was it one or two? I think it was one. One, yeah. PlayStation One graphics trying to do a giant, scary alligator in the middle of a sewer system. I'd love to watch. I'm gonna go find clips of that later on.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll be able to find some clips of it. There's a lot of people playing it, but uh, the fight itself ends pretty quickly if you know what to do. Because there's these yeah. red barrels all about the place. What you need to do is you need to stand behind the red barrel so the alligator bites the barrel, then you shoot the barrel and its head blows off. Literally, it's a 10, maybe 30 second fight if you know what you're doing. But in the, in, the re- in the updated version, the remake for the Xbox One and PS4 it's actually this proper long chase sequence where you need to avoid it snapping jaws and because of the new re engine it looks cinematic as fuck so it's pretty cool
0: yeah i've seen people do that segment and it's a lot of uh like jumping over poles and like avoiding objects that are in the sewers and yeah. uh I, I all i could think about was like old school crash bandicoot games where like normally it'd just be like going left right side scrolling or you'd just be running forward but occasionally you'd have uh like levels where you were running towards the camera so you would only be able to see like 10 feet in front of you and you'd have to react to it and as fast as you could and obviously as a kid you suck at that stage but then you play it now you're like oh, this is so easy, this is this is absolutely like child's play but when you do that level as like, a kid you're just running into everything yeah. you die like 40 times in the level.
1: Yeah, I call that the Zelda experience because when you're younger playing Ocarina of Time in Majora's Mask there's certain temples that you just you couldn't do, like as I called them the Big Brother temples where you go, I can't do this, older brother <laughs> get me past this level, I can't do it
0: well, as the older brother, he fuck you for taking the responsibility on my part. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you get all this shit. I have got two older brothers that can pass the buck on it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now you go back to it. Now you're like, oh right, why did I have to get someone else to do this? This is piss easy.
0: So how is Resident Evil Three like? If it's it's weird to hear it's getting a mixed reception. If the second one knocked at the park, is it just is it lesser?
1: It is. It is lesser to it. It is lesser to gameplay and story degree. But in terms of you know uh, the visuals the graphics and the overall layout of the game it's a lot better than 2 because the the graphics are a lot better they're working with an updated RE engine the uh the so the gameplay mechanics in there are a bit more fleshed out because there's more that you can do with the character before in RE2 you just basically you could walk and shoot with this one there's a dodge mechanic so that plays more into the game if you get a perfect dodge you get a kind of bullet time thing that is really really helpful almost invaluable in the, the higher difficulties, so there's there's in terms of, sort of graphics, they, they've just done a lot more with the engine, there's a lot more colour, a lot more neon lights, there's a lot more different coloured backgrounds so they're really trying to get the most out of the engine, Okay. and there's more, there's more of the enemy there's more zombies kicking about because you're at the you're at the outbreak in a non-contained area, you're just in the streets of Raccoon City so with the police station, that was locked off, barricaded, not many zombies got in there, unless they were already in there and infected. Right. Whereas out in Raccoon City, there's just shit-tons of zombies everywhere. Yeah, it's like just public streets
0: get... and just the, the hoarders out there.
1: Yeah, you can get caught at any fucking point. So there's there's a lot more in the game, but there's just story-wise and gameplay-wise, there's just... or well, not gameplay-wise, but story-wise, it just seems kind of almost they've rushed it a little bit.
0: Well, I was going to ask, do I think it... they've cut content for DLC?
1: I don't think they've cut content for DLC. I think they've cut content because they wanted to focus on the Resident Evil Project Resistance. Because it seems a lot of that was made in sorry, before they started working on the final parts of Resident Evil 3. So you just thought, right, we'll leave Resident Evil 3 as it is. We'll focus on Resistance. And there are some levels in Resistance that you can tell they've just put into 3.
0: So what's Project Resistance? Is it just like a spin-off game or is it a new game for like a different console? or?
1: Project Resistance is it's kind of the multiplayer for Resident Evil 3.
0: I see, right.
1: Think of it like a, a Dead by Daylight, uh, what's the other one, Friday the 13th type of game where it's one mastermind working against four main player characters. Uh, the player characters, they'll have objectives within the mission, they'll have one, one character will be kill 10 zombies using a melee weapon, another character will be activate this type of... Uh, activate this computer, another character will be prepared these defences. They'll have individual objectives within the game that'll help them progress through the level. The Mastermind has basically just got to fuck them up at any turn. Okay. So the Mastermind will be able to drop in more zombies, the Mastermind will be able to drop in harder enemies, or will be able to drop in a tyrant, if he feels they need to.
0: So the, 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 the Mastermind is basically going to play a strategy game against first-person shooter or third-person shooter characters.
1: Yeah, and they'll be able... They, the uh, characters, they'll be able to accrue points and they'll be able to buy upgrades and uh, they'll be able to buy uh, guns uh, different types of ammo, healing items and shit like that
0: That actually sounds kind of interesting, Like maybe not worth taking content out of the original game for it, but that's a cool concept
1: It's interesting until you play the game and then it's the game itself is very slow to get into in terms of the lobbying system and it is very quick to lose if you make one misstep, that's the whole thing fucked Ah right, okay. It, it just it's kind of slow and it's kind of clunky. If you're looking for a Resident Evil experience with a kind of Dead by Daylight mechanic, just play Dead by Daylight. <laughs> you're going to get a bunch better experience.
0: Yeah, and uh a lot of people, especially now, don't really appreciate a long lobby system and then like a quick out. A lot of people get really burnt on that in battle royales. Like every time you have to reload in, squad up, jump in the jump in the bus or whatever, jump in the AC-130, and then parachute down like. It became a selling point later on that you didn't have to do that in battle royale games, so that won't last long.
1: But I can see them doing a lot of updates to Resident Evil Project Resistance because they're going to want to keep that going for as long as possible. Because at this point, it's been out for came out in the third of April. Mm -hmm. It's been out for just just under a week or just over a week. Sorry, and uh, I can't really see Capcom just scrapping it and moving on to something else. They'll probably keep supporting it for a bit. And uh, as for the main game, Resident Evil itself, I can see them doing DLC with it, maybe adding in some more cut content, uh, maybe splitting up uh, Jill and Carlos's paths a little bit in the game a bit more, just to kind of make more of a robust experience. Hmm, okay. But uh, it would, it, it's a big if, because Capcom have this very, I'd say, logical habit of just, if a game's not performing well, they just let it ride out, then they'll move on to something else. That's what they did with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which was not a bad game in terms of how the game played. It was a fairly, sound, fairly solid game to play, but it just looked horrible and it had a piss-poor roster. So they supported it for a bit, for maybe six months, then just let it trickle away to the point where I'm pretty sure you can't even buy physical copies, or you can buy physical copies of Marvel Infinite for under a tenner. Hmm. Because Capcom... I mean, there's no point in buying a game that's not being supported anymore so i'm, I'm kind of hoping they don't do that with resident evil 3 but it is the apart from monster or resident evil itself is what's keeping capcom afloat right now because yeah. street fighter a lot of people are kind of seesawing on resident uh, street fighter 5 because it's good but then they introduce a new character and that drops the estimation a bit, so they're kind of in this weird limbo with street fighter right now it's kind of resident evil and monster hunter that's keeping them afloat but the problem with that is they're kind of entering this weird Assassin's Creed space with Resident Evil because they've released a Resident Evil game every year.
0: For the last like, couple of years,
1: yeah. For the last couple of years, whether it be a remake or a remaster or something like that.
0: Well, I did see something about the um, a possible, like they're, they're going for number four as well. Yeah, people are not
1: going to not be okay with that. I can see them not being okay with that. Personally, I think if they want to do remakes that need it, they go back and they do Resident Evil Zero, and do that game well because that game's tough at the best of times. Because there's no item boxes. Okay. There's no boxes where you can just dump all your stuff. Go to the next area, open the item box, and there's just here's all your gear. The reason they try to circumvent that by giving you a second player, a second player-controlled character, but they only have six item slots. You only have six item slots. You can carry twelve items. But obviously throughout the game, it's a Resident Evil game You get infinitely more than 12 items Yeah, And there'll be items that you get at the start of the game That you need to use again further down the line mm. So then you're having to go back to the first area Picking up that grappling hook Just to go back to the end area And use said grappling hook So Resident Evil 0 was pretty rough To date it's the only Resident Evil game That I haven't completed Just I because I, I get to a certain point and just think Fuck it, <laughs> this is not worth it I'll just watch the video on YouTube
0: yeah, watch the end credits on you, or watch the end scene on YouTube. Oh, that's how everybody died. Yeah, ah. well, that's how
1: everyone got it. But yeah, Resident Evil Four. I can't imagine that's going down well. But they would. I can see Capcom wanting to redo Four in this new art style, as opposed to redoing Resident Evil One remake, because oh, well, a they've already remade the game, and b that is widely regarded as probably one of the best remade games of all time. It still sells cap. It still sells copies to this day. Really?
0: So, hmm. That's kind of. I, I guess they just want to do four because it's it started the new generation of Resident Evil fans.
1: Yeah, and I can also see them wanting to do something with uh, old Leon again, like, older Leon after Raccoon City, because in Resident Evil Two, Leon's about eighteen, maybe twenty. Right. So, like, in Resident Evil Four, Leon he's a bit older. He's a black belt. He can suplex zombies and shit like that, or infected as they are in Resident Evil Four
0: suplex uh, okay right that <laughs> that works well in yeah, a biohazard hazard situation
1: dude resident evil 4 is a fucking fantastic game probably one of the best resident evil games of all time and i can see that's why they want to update it because resident evil 4 they sacrificed a lot for gameplay so the graphics are wonderful
0: <laughs> <laughs> but if you bring it bring now with the digital distribution no real limit on disc size the way that it was back in the day especially when that came was it not on gamecube or something like that
1: uh, Resident Evil 4 was originally meant to be a GameCube exclusive, but right. then uh, PlayStation, Sony pissed and moaned, and then Capcom just went, sure, we'll bring it out on a PlayStation 2. Yeah,
0: because GameCube had like a disc that was like half the size of uh, a PlayStation 2 disc.
1: Yeah, but the PlayStation 2 also suffered greatly in the loading speed. It had less RAM than GameCube and even Xbox Original so playstation 2 was kind of the console that proved it was all about uh, the games on the platform as opposed to specs and hardware because gamecube is my personal favorite but i think ps2 owns it because there's just so many fucking good games on playstation 2 whereas on GameCube there's maybe 15 to 20 games that would say i need to get that i need to get that
0: yeah and the the best thing about the gamecube or the the ps2 catalog was there was a lot of great games. There was a lot of decent games. There was a lot of games that you could just throw on for like a half an hour. or A lot of games you could just play in the weekend. And I think people have forgotten that like the, the mass production of games or the availability of a lot of games is what sells a lot of people on a console or uh, like a title. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, Resident Evil 3, with a Resident Aye, Evil 4 come out... Sorry? So I'd say Resident Evil 3, with a Resident Evil 4 come out... Would you recommend people pick it up?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll recommend that people pick up Resident Evil Three, but I'll give it a proper I'll give it a proper review before people do. Uh, I'd recommend if you're if you like Resident Evil Two remake, definitely pick up Three because despite what I'm about to say about it, it is still worth getting. It's still a really good game. The redesigns for the main characters are pretty fucking cool. Uh, they've actually made Carlos a likable character instead of this weird kind of oddball latino guy that he was in the original game right and it was uh it's a they've actually made him you know more of a part of the, the story he actually is out there helping jill instead of just showing up at random points and uh the way they handle the the pacing of the game is i think what might what puts a lot of people off because like i said when i was talking about the demo it is quite a lot of uh you start here in a Jill's apartment. Next thing you know, Nemesis is busting down the wall. Next thing you know, he's pushing you through a corridor with a giant rock, and the corridor's on fire. You jump out a window, and then grabs your head and throws you in another fiery corridor. And you just need to keep going throughout this thing. You stop for a minute. You, you keep going. You, you get up to a rooftop. You shoot him a couple of times. Then you drive into a car, or you you drive a car into him. Then he, you drive him off a roof. He then. Throws the car away, gets back up, runs towards you. Then you, then you start playing the rest of the game because you've run away from him into a, a subway station. Then the game just picks up from there, and then you get maybe a 10-15 minute segment where you're just you know dealing with regular zombies, figuring out what next to do. then nemesis appears again.
0: Hmm, that's uh, it's a weird way of pacing the game. Oh. But yeah, I mean having a, a constant antagonist who is actively pursuing you.
1: Uh, he's not that constant an antagonist. Uh, All right <laughs> which is disappointing, I was expecting Mr X levels of constantly being tailed but there's certain points where he shows up but other than that, he just he doesn't really show up all that much, I feel that he's very underutilised I was expecting this kind of adaptive, difficulty type monster where he would just he knows you're going to show up at this point so he's going to trap that area or he's going to put something there and he's going to you know try and trap you that way, try and get you that way but the most you really see of that is he starts using the other enemies in the to kind of act as speed bumps for you because he enhances the other enemies so they can deal more damage and shit like that which is pretty cool and he does this thing of he knows where the exits are so if you think you've got away from him he'll appear at the door at the other side and just grab you there that is hilarious I like the sound of that (laughs) it's pretty good like like I'm saying it it may sound like I hate the game but far from it I just kind of wish they did more with it I personally wanted because Mr. X like I said in my Resident Evil 2 review genuinely gave me fucking nightmares because that guy is relentless Nemesis seems to relent a bit too quickly but then he picks you back up straight away, It's like, oh you thought you got away I got you now, but I wanted like someone to just stalk you constantly, never let you go and it, it's kind of, it's disappointing in that respect, but still the boss fights in that game will probably make up for it because you fight Nemesis quite a few times you fight him on the roof with a flamethrower strapped his back then you fight him again when he mutates,
0: right? Which is a pretty cool fight. How about uh, every like uh, other enemies in the game? You said there's lickers, right?
1: Uh, not in this one. In this one, they're they're replaced with a thing called a hunter, which is this kind of big amphibian thing, mutated from frogs or some shit, I believe. And uh, those are tough bastards. Like they're easy to kill if you get the sweet spot, but if you don't, they catch you in this three hit combo that just drains your health. Oh. And that is just that is just a pain in the ass to avoid because they show up in areas with tight corridors and there's usually other uh, creatures behind you that you need to deal with.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that sounds like it's a good op- it's a good enemy for like a good level designer. Like if you're if you know what you're doing with it, you can make an interesting scenario. But if you're just like spamming that enemy into every situation possible, yeah. it's going to get real tiresome.
1: Yeah. And another thing that kind of gets a bit tiresome is a, uh, well not tiresome. It's something that I was. I wasn't expecting, but I didn't like. It was what they did with Nemesis. Because in the first game, he stalks you for pretty much, or I say the first game, the first version of the game, he stalks you for a good portion of the game. And then, only after a while does he start mutating. In this one, it kind of feels like you fight him a couple of times, then he mutates almost immediately. And you're just thinking, did they need to push that through so quickly? Yeah, could they left it a bit longer. Surely that, like...
0: The idea that you could fight this thing and think you're finally getting the handle on it, and then all of a sudden at the end it flips a switch and oh you're fighting something completely different now. That's like that's a great gaming moment that you could leave till the end yeah. of the end of the game.
1: Yeah, and it does it does it has a couple of mutations towards the end of the game, which are pretty cool, really cool fights. But just how he goes from this kind of this golem looking creature to just this weird by bi- quadrupedal creature fairly quickly and just thinking that you could have eked that out a little bit it would have felt like padding but it would have made the game flow a bit more I think
0: Yeah, I remember they had like bigger ideas for the the quadruped version and wanted to try and get into that a lot faster and then just didn't get to pull it off
1: maybe because it was based on old designs for Nemesis that got cut from the original game so it's not like they've just decided this would be cool let's put that in they just think no this has got actual basis in a game so let's uh, let's do that.
0: That's one thing I'm curious about with the, with these remakes. How many of the original directors? Obviously, not everyone who's on the OG team can be there. But how many times do you get someday like a director or music composition uh, like staff coming back for these remakes, or is this entirely new teams?
1: Yeah, most of them are entirely new teams, mostly because uh, the people that made the originals are now either not in the industry anymore or have. Or a part of a what the hell's the company Platinum? Because uh, the person who made Resident Evil Two, uh, what the hell's his name? Glasses. Uh, Hideki Kamiya. Uh, he he's he's a one the lead designer or something for Platinum Games. Uh, he served as a consultant for the original Resident Evil Two, or for the remake Resident Evil Two, but wasn't actively part of the design process. And then uh, Resident Evil Three. I don't even think they contacted Shinji Mikami because. Well, he said pretty much verbatim that he doesn't want much to do with Capcom anymore.
0: <laughs> right. So, That's a weird one. There was a whole
1: thing to do with uh, Shinji Mikami and Capcom. Basically, he wanted to take Resident Evil in another direction and tried to put the foot down.
0: And they said, no, you're going to do what we tell you. We're the ones with the fucking money. Get in line. Yeah. Is it yeah, it's, thing? Uh, go.
1: yeah it, it's, it's definitely something that could have been they could have been a bit more in touch with, but at the same time, if these people aren't willing to come back and, or they've got other things on, or they've moved on from the series, and they have, and Capcom have the rights to make the game, maybe just give them a nod and make the game. Like, I don't really see the point in going back and saying, "Hey, we're going to remake this game." Do you want? Do you want, want to, to check n- this out? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, if no one's going to agree to like jump on board, and if they were against it in the first place, there's no way they're coming back to help with the remake.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. But uh, moving on from the, like the pacing and uh, nemesis, I think one of the, one of the other parts that bugged me about the game was the fact that the game ends in yet another lab sequence, because in Resident Evil Two you, uh, you go, from the police station, to, like the streets of Raccoon City, then you find an underground lab, an underground uh, umbrella laboratory, and. Resident Evil 3 they do the same thing again, you go from one area to the other, next thing you know you're in the umbrella facility that's called the Nest 2 which is also yeah, in Resident Evil 2 remake you go to the Nest so it kind of feels like Resident Evil 2 worked and it worked well and it ended with the Nest let's go Resident Evil 3 and go to the Nest 2 and then it's just...
0: Yeah, it feels like they just took a, a working idea and just carried it over just because they knew it would yeah. work. And it is a good way of ending these not let the, the Resident Evil franchises end up with loads of underground bases. I don't know how Umbrella gets yeah. the planning permission for these ones, but like they yeah. just have all these underground bases all over the place, but it seems cheap to just call it the, the, the thing from the previous one too.
1: Yeah, the sequel. And I kind of thought it would have been cool as if you did this, if you did the same thing from Resident Evil 3, the original, as if you're, you stay in raccoon city you go to facilities that are just in raccoon city then you use equipment that you find from these locations to kill final form nemesis
0: yeah just i think it's the fact it's an underground base like every every one of these really needs to be underground nobody just kind of rented out a building and just converted it over just uh it seems a bit cheap
1: oh yeah it's very cheap. But. That's what kind of makes a lot of people think that Resident Evil 3 was rushed because instead of, you know, taking the time to do the final area, which I think is called the Dead Factory. Right. Because it's just a, it's just a factory full of zombies. So I don't know what the proper I don't know why it's called the Dead Factory, but the final area is called the Dead Factory. And uh, instead of taking the time to do that, they've just kind of went, ah, here's another lab. Huh. Fuck it, here's another lab. We're going to give you Resident Evil 4 in about a year's time, so fuck it. I expect the lab number three in that one. Yeah, probably. If you get Resident Evil Four, we're probably going to get the Umbrella facility on the island, despite the fact that Resident Evil Four has fuck all to do with Umbrella, despite the fact that one of the characters is working for kind of Umbrella.
0: <laughs> Welcome, Resident umbrella Evil. Umbrella Light. Welcome, Resident Evil Four. We have uh, we have the Nest Three in Espanol. <laughs> el nesto. Hola, mi
1: amor. <laughs> amo el nesto. Oh, that's th- yeah. Uh, Resident Evil Three, fun game, good, solid, eight out of ten. Good characters, good gameplay, brush design. Uh, oh, aye, and on higher difficulty levels, it will test your patience. It will test your test your dexterity. You will want to throw the game out the window several times because the final boss requires frame perfect dodges. Right, like, you can't just mash your way through the dodge mechanics. It needs to be bang on every time if you're trying to dodge nemesis like final form nemesis's swipes it needs to be like one two three you can't just mash it out it needs to be very sequenced
0: well that's that's good i mean if you put that the high level play that's fine Hmm?
1: it's very bad Uh, it's not being tested like if you make one misstep it's very unforgiving you get caught in a combo you're just dead you get no chance to mash out of it you're just straight up dead
0: but I mean, if you're keeping that at the higher level, but like if, if that was at the uh, the basic, like the, the standard or even like the hard level play, that'd be pretty unforgivable. But if you put that yeah. at like the, the top tier level of gameplay and say, if you fuck up once on this final boss, you will get your ass handed to you. I, I think yeah, that's pretty good. I can game.
1: see that. That might be a bit of a silver lining, but at the same time, I just thought it was kind of lazy. Like, you make one slight mistake. You have to know every single move that he does. You need to be aware of every single move. Twitch and you need to be aware of the timings. I just thought it was a bit too much for. I get it's the second hardest difficulty in the game. It's still just a wee bit too much. it's marked as something that was maybe not really tested all that well.
0: Uh, maybe I just. I like that, the sound of that because, you know, Dark Souls fan. Yeah, true. Glutton for the punishment. And
1: from what I've seen, there's a lot of Dark Souls players that are just thinking, this is not good. Like, this is bad. Someone never. The reviewers who got the game early never tested part of the game.
0: I, I don't really trust many reviewers when it comes to like a big game in multiple levels of difficulty. They normally just run through it on the medium and then just say, Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's good. It brings back the memories, nostalgia tick tick yeah. that box and just I'm I'm done with it. I've played I've done my playthrough, done my due diligence, you know, nobody would actually take the time to play through on the hardest mode, go all the way through yeah. to the end and then realise, oh you can get your shit pushed in. Yeah.
1: since so I- since i started read, i stopped reading reviews a good while ago i only occasionally go back to them if i want to laugh because some of them are very very funny like the uh, the review that i read for avengers endgame and i mean avengers endgame is probably one of the most universally liked movies of all time mm-hmm. people fucking love that movie and this guy was just going it's boring utterly trash no one should listen to this it's like someone got it's like michael bay got his scripts mixed up mixed up
0: <laughs> yeah. here's the thing though like we- it's not there's not a lot if you weren't aware of that franchise if somehow you got through to the end like you watched the final film of that franchise uh arc and then you stepped in there like if you just were trying to review it objectively you could quite easily say it's not a good movie but you got to understand well, cause, it, yeah yeah but as I the saying is like if you were but if you're with us if you're with it from iron man one and you follow all the arcs yeah. through to the end everything makes sense to you and everything works and everything it works as yeah. part of a bigger unit but I don't know anyone who has not seen the Avengers films, then just walked straight into Endgame.
1: Yeah, that's what's That that one critic must have either hated every single comic book movie that he's ever watched, or he's just gotten to that point where he's seen so many of them, he's just thinking this one'll be shit. Don't care. Fucking hate them all.
0: Actually, can I, I ask you about please. the the footage that came out at the weekend? recently, or uh, actually earlier during the week? That's the problem. Days mean nothing now. But during yeah, these me
1: nothing. Time is just blended.
0: I uh, hope we just, we just mark time by the passage of Twitter Twins. Uh, Twitter trends, Jesus Christ, the, the words are failing as well. This is bad. Yeah, it's um, bad, man. But we actually had a Twitter trend this week, and it was someone that had audio from inside Avengers uh, screenings, and it was like the day one audio interaction to the portal scene. Uh, yeah. Where the gates open up at the end, and uh, like stuff like Iron Man, uh, like Thor, uh, realizing that, uh, Captain America can hold the hammer.
1: Yeah. That uh, that bit. I remember being in the cinema and I was there with uh, my brother and, uh, Argic and another, another guy that he doesn't, he only goes by one name. He doesn't have a screen name, so I'm not going to name him.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and everyone else is going like, holy shit, Captain America can lift the hammer. He's fucking worthy. Like even people that weren't reacting going, yeah, fuck yeah. We're just going, that's pretty cool. Like I was grinning from ear to ear. Uh, one of the people that I went with just went fucking lame, <laughs> dude. Come on, well, it's for, cool as shit, and it's a payoff.
0: One thing I found interesting was this was an American audience, and when all these scenes kick off, the noise in the cinema is, as a British person, frankly unacceptable. I don't know if you'd yeah, seen you, that clip.
1: You can tell that if if there was like an like even not even an older. British man and they're still like a 35 to 40 year old British man he would have just been telling people to quiet down like just that's enough (laughs) calm down we have we're all seeing this together there is no need for all this ruckus
0: gentlemen some decorum please (laughs) please gentlemen
1: decorum calm down
0: I just I I saw that footage and I was like this just as a cinema goer in the UK is I, I can't stand it I just the idea of being in the room while everyone is verbally losing their shit and cheering, like, the amount of cheering, like, genuine kind of, like, whoops of ec- ecstatic joy at this at this on-screen moment. Yeah. I actually couldn't process it. I was like, you people do this? Like, for real, you people do this in public? Yeah. I mean, I'll,
1: I'll give you an example of how different the two, the two viewing experiences are. I went to see, I think it was the last Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, in a cinema in Livingston, and there was a group of uh, what we used to call scene kids, Right, the emos and the, the teeny bumpers. The bombers. Emos, the scene kids, the the, My Chemical Romance fallout Boy freak shows. <laughs> uh, there was a group of them sitting down, uh, down in front of me on the left, right near the, the stairs, and they were just having like a great time. They were just giggling their heads off, laughing, talking amongst themselves, shouting. One of them was playing something on their fucking phone, and uh, this kept going on for about 10, 15 minutes throughout the film, and uh, eventually it
0: just got to one point I went, shut the fuck up. You're in a cinema. <laughs> Look at the screen. Shut your mouth. You're, enjoy it. You're not the only person in the room. Just shut the hell up and watch. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing where it's just kids who are never told to just shut the fuck up. And you yeah. go into a room where it seems like the general agreement is we all sit down together. We all shut the fuck up. If something happens yeah. the mind-blowing, we'll, we'll, we'll have some reaction to it. But in general, the, the idea is we go into the room, we go into the dark room, Nobody talks to each other, and we just watch the, the shiny image on the screen.
1: Yeah, we sit down. I'll even let you clap if it's a really good film, because I heard people in uh, cinemas in Glasgow were clapping at the end of Joker. Uh, I don't mind you clapping; that's civilized. That's fine. That but, seems uh, like
0: something so pretentious only Edinburgh would do. It, but okay.
1: That was Glasgow. Actually, it was Glasgow. Yeah. That's uh, I heard about. There were some people on a a group chat that I'm on said they went to see it, and people were just clapping away because they were. Happy at the way the movie ended.
0: Such cinema! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yes, highbrow cinema coming from
1: Todd Phillips, Young Master Phillips, and his Joker movie.
0: Uh what else is there? Um, I forgot. I totally lost the train of thought after the, the Avengers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you see the 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 deleted footage of Black Widow's original death? No. That is brutal. Like it's not like it's not the case of where she, in the in their final cut of the movie, she decides. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this hit. Uh Hawkeye's gonna live, he's got the family, what have you. Yeah. And they kinda of have this weird wrestle match, this this weird like fight to, you know, yeah. do the ultimate
0: sacrifice. It's an interesting fight because it's it's so strange that you know how this is gonna end. One of you has to go over the clip cliff, and I don't yeah. want either of you really to go, but at the same time, like watching them try to fight to kill themselves is really, really weird.
1: Yeah, it was a good scene as well because you get the Hawkeye's kind of feeling a bit repentant considering the fact he's done nothing but kill people for five years, and yeah. uh, Black Widow's just thinking, "Well, she's the one without any ties. She has to do this. This is what she's been going towards." As a good so that's red sense.
0: in her ledger, and you know she has to even yeah. it out somehow.
1: Yeah, she's got to do the ultimate good to get rid of all the, all, like you said, the red in the ledger. But the original uh, scene that they were going to go with was that Thanos and the what are his outriders his army show up to uh, Vormir to try and get the, the soul stone and they just start this all out battle Black Widow and Hawkeye are just shooting stabbing, dealing with all these uh, outriders and then Black Widow says we need to get the stone out of here so she runs towards it, she gets shot in the back, shot in the shoulder and then she just you know, takes out a couple and does some, does some martial arts to them and just keeps walking towards it and she's getting lit up she's running towards them and eventually she just jumps off and the, then Hawkeye just kind of does the whole pan towards where she was and there's that kind of heartbreak moment of where the fuck are you huh like dude that was it's fairly brutal considering what they went with
0: I, I, thought I can when see you why said they didn't go like, with that one yeah well like you said it was brutal I was expecting them to you know really show what happens when you drop a body like was it 400 feet or something like that yeah I think that would uh, that I was expecting like that, but the idea that Thanos shows up and ambushes them, wow. Okay, that yeah, I would have deleted that as well. There's very few yeah, times I would say like, you know take lesser action and show that, but yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's just the fact that I think she gets lit up before it, like she's getting shot all the way down and she's getting stabbed by outriders. Maybe the thought right, let's not add you know insult to injury here. Let's just not have her beaten up before she takes the ultimate sacrifice.
0: I don't know, I mean she's such a an empowering character. It'd be interesting to see if they did that. And I'm guessing it just didn't test well in screenings because it was probably a bit of a mess. I mean, that scene actually the way we saw it was still quite a mess actually when I think about it. I'm pretty sure most of that fight was slow mo. Like there was a lot of slowed down footage. And I don't know if that was what to pad it. it
1: slow-mo? I I didn't see it as slow mo, i just seen it as the two of them like master assassins, just trying to get the one up in each other. Hmm. Maybe that's why it was a bit slow.
0: I've not seen it. Might, not. Be, might be time for a rewatch. Might be, uh, might be might time be. for something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've got time. Yeah, we, we have time.
0: We do have time. And uh, with that time came time for documentaries. And I don't know if uh, I, I know you've already got a strong opinion on one of these, um, but we've actually yeah. been asked by fans and friends uh, of the show to talk about Tiger King. Now, uh, I watched this all the way through. I watched it out on the day it came out, uh, which was great it mm-hmm. stayed up to about three o'clock in the morning. And uh, end up with like burst blood vessels in all my eyes. Just I don't know what it was. Just I was awake for like I think 24, 25 hours or something like that at that point. And so at a certain point, your body's like, go to bed, and you're like, nah, I'll be fine. You wake up the next morning just like a red eye. It's <laughs> great.
1: It's probably the sheer stupidity of Tiger King. Yeah. That made you go all bloody eyed.
0: I I was hoping for uh, I walked in I was hoping for a discussion about the ethics of owning exotic animals because it's a weird subject that. Yeah, we have cats and we have dogs, and these are acceptable pets, but uh, what about the people who have a fucking tiger? That'd be an interesting documentary. Uh, it is not that. Uh, <laughs> I, I've said it was like watching a fusion of Jerry Springer and The Office, where there's just a lot of like honest two-camera explanations of what you just saw, because it doesn't make sense in the context of normal people. But you got to realise that everyone in this documentary is not a normal person. There are people who actively choose to go to work every day with a tiger. Um, and yeah like i've had people say uh, they don't get the hype um yeah, understandable um i think it just it came out at the right time like just as lockdowns happening um Joe Exotic is a fucking meme machine like everything he says is hilariously quotable um he's just an idiot who just stumbles from like tragedy to tragedy and just thinks he's can get the best out of the situation and uh, yeah, i've seen
1: i've seen a lot of people you know with it because i'm guessing he's in prison
0: Yes, uh, if we're going to talk spoilers of this, uh, yeah, sure. He's in prison at the end. Of it. Oh, sure, yeah, because yeah. all the memes that I've seen are just free Joe Exotic,
1: free <laughs> uh, the Tiger King, all that shit.
0: Free Tiger King Damn. and uh, fuck Carol Baskin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's a strange. Uh, it just it just came at the right time to be exactly front and center of pop culture, and that's why you've not seen it, but I guarantee you probably know ninety percent of the plot. Yeah, and the- something to do
1: with a. Uh, somebody's husband getting fed to tigers
0: yeah that's uh carol baskin's husband is there's allegations uh going between joey's and carol baskin who run rival tiger sanctuaries that carol baskin murdered her husband and then uh decided to feed him to the, the tigers to hi- cover up the evidence uh which i mean is possible there's people saying oh no way a tiger eat a person mm. <laughs> C- could they Pretty not sure it could. yeah I'd, I'd give the money to the tiger at that point um but yeah, Joe Exotic's um, a weird interesting character and that's... You're watching it for him. You're watching to see this like mess uh, accident-prone meme machine just wander through life and uh, just following him for a couple months at a time. Like, if you try and write down the plot points of this story and you try to hand it in as a movie that you want something to make uh, you'd be laughed at there, and people were like there's no way this would all happen to one guy. This is, a, this is an unsellable, ridiculous story but this is just this guy's life and he recorded so much of it that um most of the, the footage that they have is from his personal archive during a certain time because they're actually filming a previous kind of reality tv show slash documentary on him anyway and all of that gets lost in the fire and that's it like episode three and all the footage that they have from him before is stuff that he was filming anyway because he was just obsessed with being a star and I mean, at one point, he's like he starts off as like a stage magician, magician, and he's like doing uh, these shows in malls, and realizes that he can bring tigers to the mall if he gets a permit, and he can bring tigers, and the kids want to see the tigers, so they show up for the stage show, and he just starts increasing this insanity, of It just ends up with a U.S. presidential run.
1: Yeah, it does seem like this guy is suffering from some kind of delusions of grandeur. Like there's something. There's, the whole thing, the whole feeling I get from just even watching clips of it is to quote every single Scottish person that at some point in their life, just there's just something not right about that boy. Yeah, and uh, there's just something we both
0: his his serious drug addiction is pretty obvious, um like there's just something off about him the entire time. Um, and I I think part of what his issues stem from is the fact that. He's a uh, he was he came out as gay at the age of thirteen, and his parents completely disowned him. Like I think the the quote is that his uh, his father made his mother witness as you know they shook hands, and Joe Exotic had to agree to never show up to his parents' funerals, because they were ashamed of him for wow. being gay. So you can tell that kid has been fucked since the age of thirteen. Like he has never. What? Felt Nationality company. is Joe Exotic. Nationality is American.
1: That's uh, certainly. Uh, what? Where's he from? What town?
0: Oh fuck. Um, he, it's a southern state, and I can't remember. I think there's part of his life is in Texas, and then part of it's in like Connecticut and uh, Alabama and stuff. Like he's been around like the southeast coast. Yeah, that. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah,
1: old school Christian southern values.
0: Yeah, good old fashioned Bible belt. Good, good old boys and girls. Uh, don't exactly take yeah. kindly to a young kid coming out as gay. And uh, you can tell that he's always just wanted to be the center of attention, and just as soon as you just lose that connection with your family, you're down a weird dark, uh, dark rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, uh,
1: it's a uh, it doesn't interest him from that point, but there's just certain aspects of the 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 documentary that just don't appeal to me. Like the, I think I'm just not a fan of documentaries like that. Like there was all the Louis Theroux type documentaries which is we're gonna interview a bunch of guys that believe that people should have guns sort of yeah I don't want to see that
0: it's the the problem is like it's being framed as like a documentary but it is just trashy TV like this is uh, keeping up with the Kardashians but with tigers and meth involved and uh, I enjoyed it I really do and I love talking about it to different people because you remember more and more of what you just watched you yeah there was an entire part where uh, one of his boyfriends or husbands uh, killed himself uh, and there was another part where the other husband ran away because he's in a gay polygamous marriage, by the way, um, which is a brave move in a southern state. But he, uh, like one of the husbands, is like yeah, I'm not gay. He has a zoo filled with tigers. I doubt anyone's going to really mess with him. <laughs> I, uh, I've been trying to sell the like I've been trying to get other people to watch it in my family, and uh, I unfortunately made the mistake of saying that in episode one, there is a discussion about a previous guy who uh, owned tigers and ended up killing himself, and then just, but he, he let loose all the animals, then blew his brains out, or something like that, and then just, the, the animals had to be rounded up and shot, because they're, like, they're not real animals, they can't be given off to a zoo, and they're all fucked up anyway, because he wasn't really treating them that well, but I, I forgot, I mentioned that to my brother, he's like, I can't watch that, my my fiancé's gonna freak out, like, <laughs> she's not gonna be okay with, uh, like, dead animals, and dead tigers and stuff on the TV, I'm like, it's 30 seconds of dead animals, you'll be fine, and you was oh wait, what did I just say out loud I'm a bad person now
1: yeah I'll, I'll still probably give Tiger King a miss it's it's not on my to-do list it's not in my uh, it's not the kind of show that's in my wheelhouse
0: I mean I'd recommend it but I've seen like almost every episode of Jerry Springer ever made so um, I mean Yeah. I just love trash to be honest and uh, if, if that's your type of thing, uh, Tiger King is the shit show for you because uh, it is really a shit show the one I want to talk about was uh, How to Fix a Drug Scandal, which I thought would be much more up your alley. I think we talked about Tyra King and you were initially like, hell no, fuck that. Um, yeah. But this seemed uh, more something you'd be interested in because it's to do with uh, criminal prosecutions. And yep. uh, this is a story of two chemists in labs in Massachusetts in the United States that uh, fucked up about 70,000 cases over the course of 10 years which is really excuse me. <laughs> Say that one more time. It uh, is uh, the, t- the story of two chemists in drug labs uh, that were testing like drugs confiscated from people when they get arrested that fucked up about 70,000 cases in Massachusetts Jeez. over the course of 10 years. Uh, it's
1: surprising that those guys still even have jobs.
0: Uh, so there's the first chemist, uh, Annie Dukin. Uh, she was cutting corners. She was doing what's called dry labbing. So she'd, uh, like, she'd have cases assigned to her by the lab manager, and she would look at 10 cases that were all cocaine, she'd bring them all out, the, like, out of storage at the same time, do the first one, do the testing required, and then look at the bags and say, yep, they all look like cocaine, and she'd mark all 10 tests as positive for cocaine, but she would only do the first one, so she cut corners on every test that she ever did, yes. Um. so she gets absolutely fucked. Uh, the second story is one that I find much more hilarious, which is a girl called uh, Sonia Farik. Uh She basically started getting high in the lab. She was using the drugs and actually some of the chemical, like national standards that they had in the lab, uh, to get high during work hours. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, with most chemistry testing, there's like a, what's called a standard, which is a, a perfect uh, chemical example of what you're looking for. So uh, in this lab they had the chemical standard for methamphetamine and she was taking spatulas or like droppers putting taking some of the standard out and taking it herself She was microdosing methamphetamine it's fucking outrageous because she was doing these interviews and saying well like, she was caught over eventually she was caught because they somebody got suspicious and looked in her like her bench like her workstation and was like there's cocaine in here and crack cocaine and there's all these like uppers in your desk drawer and then they called the police who then had to try and investigate their own lab and there's like all these prosecutors and politicians on the phone like what did you just say is happening in a national lab there's there's somebody taking the drugs they're supposed to be testing and there's all these like back and forth conversations and she admits yeah I've been taking uh, meth for the last six months and I moved on to cocaine and now I've been cooking my own crack cocaine in the lab you know right that escalated real quickly. And yeah, that's
1: like going <laughs> from beer to just straight ethanol.
0: And uh, people got suspicious and it was actually a bunch of uh, defence attorneys got involved. In you don't just start playing around with meth. Like there, You have to be dealing, especially at like eight years. She's like seven years into her career and she starts you know, tinkering with meth. That isn't right. So they go back uh, to try and get her or try and, and flip all the cases that she prosecuted and say, look, you fucked up. If you admit to how bad you fucked up, we'll give you immunity from the fuck-up. Um, because she's already in jail at this point. She's served a three-year sentence for it. When she gets out, the uh, defence attorney start talking to her about uh, you know, revealing the, the extent of the damage she's done. She gets immunity and says, actually, I've been doing uh, drugs from the lab in the lab for about eight years now, almost like three months into her job, she started just trying drugs at random, and uh, admitted to like not only like making crack cocaine in the lab, uh, but doing crack cocaine in the evidence locker, where they store like the st- the samples that they're testing. It is the most batshit story of drug abuse I've ever heard, and it's outrageous.
1: Hmm. It's. It- uh... Genuinely don't even know where to begin with that one. Jesus
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's um there's a lot to like go through and unpack there, not only just like from the defence attorneys standpoints that the uh the amount of effort that they have to go through to like fight politicians and police chiefs and judges to try and get this to happen. Like these are senior lawyers for uh, the ACLU, like American Civil Li- Civil Liberties Union. These are like the guys that every time trump mouths off about, like, Latinos and stuff. These are the guys that sue the president. These are hard-hitting, like, organised lawyers that specialise in uh, civil cases. And they are struggling to fight Massachusetts state government to get these cases overturned. And they have to start, like, probing and investigating. And it keeps getting worse every time they find new information. It's, uh, it's really... It's impressive, like, dedication to the cause that you can see these guys actually care about potential clients and, uh various like people they've come across and that, like they know that there's something wrong with the people doing the testing. And they have like a little bit of respect for them in a way. Like they, they can understand and appreciate that people are going through hard times and need a little bit of a boost. Um and you know Beth is a hell of a, a boost to certain people. And uh they yeah. just So as much as these guys have uh like these defence attorneys have sympathy for the people they're working with you know, they you they realise that they're all just human and uh all it takes is one bad day and you're in front of a judge, you know, they realise that they're dealing with their enemies, effectively, but just have to be critical of the system to try and find justice for these guys because, you know, there's 70,000 people each case. I think I worked, I did some vague math and I was like, okay, 70,000 cases total, assuming that there's quite a few repeat offenders. That's maybe like 40,000 lives that these people have uh, affected. By being bad chemists, or uh, it's not following their ethical obligations to actually do their jobs. And uh, I think everyone's just kind of aware of that. And they're very quick to point out that, like, this might, you know, in certain, in certain cases, you know, they still do choose to do the meth on the job. I mean, at one point, the girl admits to um, one of the key cases of it actually is that she uh, does LSD at work and gets, she's like, oh God, I took too much. <laughs> Runs to the bathroom to have. The, the trip uh, on the LSD, on the acid, and uh, is, like, freaking out in the bathroom and is, like, on the ground, like, going through a, a psychedelic trip. And then she, like, decides to go back to her workstation and keep trying to do work afterwards. And it just so happens that she works on a guy's case that day. That that's like well, that's one of the cases the prosecutor, or the defense attorney, are coming back to investigate years later. And she admits it was not in any way capable of doing my job that day it's uh it's a weird story but i'd highly yeah, recommend it's... it to people
1: yeah i mean it does sound like whatever prosecutor got that case today probably just thought well this is going to be over quickly <laughs> <laughs> this is just going to be a cut and dry case
0: it's uh th- there's a lot of people who get involved in it and it's all with like, the, the like, u.s uh state or like u.s uh, legal system and you're like this is all like this is all built on like a house of cards and that someone has now just like dropped dynamite into the middle of the structure uh... yeah
1: someone's just dropped an unpinned hand grenade in there and just went deal with that bye.
0: <laughs> good luck i mean they have to um when when the defense attorneys come back to try and like get the cases overturned uh the the, the judges are like no we need to do this case by case to determine um like how how many people this affects? We can't just wipe the slate clean for everyone that they signed for, and I like, know you have to. Like you, our court system can't take processing all these um, court cases because they start off with one one of the cases, and it's like oh she did. I think it's the girl who did meth, and they're like oh she did uh, twenty five thousand cases by herself, uh, or she's the signature on twenty five thousand um, chemistry reports for these drugs for these drug cases. Um, and there's no way that we can prosecute that and then remember coming down the line in like six months when she gets out of prison we're going to go through this all again with Annie Dukin so you're going to have another thirty like 45,000 cases to prosecute or to like re-prosecute Massachusetts cannot take this hit just write in legislation that lets us flip all the cases over to like not guilty and uh, or basically not proven or whatever the, the term is but they have to get it. Well, they have to like fight that all the way through the course. Yeah. Uh, what country is this taking place in? This is uh, Massachusetts in the United States.
1: Yeah, they don't have the not proven verdict. That's a unique Scottish thing only. It's either guilty or not guilty. Not proven, that's a
0: Scottish thing. Oh, so they would have had to flip over to not guilty, which, I mean, nobody's yep. going to be happy about. And there's actually a funny clip of uh, one of the different attorneys. He gets, obviously, they're doing a discovery for the case. He finds emails from people like around the time that they're actually doing the discovery where they're complaining about this guy going back and doing all this digging and causing so much hassle for them because obviously this is a ton of work for these guys uh or for the like the guys who were prosecuting the case and all the like the um the police chiefs the uh the prosecuting attorneys of the cases back in the day and they're obviously chatting shit about him and he seems quite upset about the fact that people don't like him. It's like, dude, do you realise how much fucking work you're causing for all these people? I'd hate you too. I'd be fucking livid if I saw your face. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry.
1: Yeah, you, you can imagine that if that person gets seen at any point and the person had to work in the legal side, there's just going to be like kind of invasion of the body snatchers state moment where, you know, Donald <laughs> Sutherland just goes you... I had to do six days worth of fucking paperwork.
0: Oh, it's uh it's an interesting about It shows a lot of uh, like frailty in the legal system. I mean yeah, it's in the US, but I mean it's not that impossible to imagine it happening here in the UK. Yeah. Or anywhere really for that matter. I mean
1: curiosity is always gonna be a thing. It's people are gonna you know, if something's presented in front of them, they're always gonna have that, ah oh, why not? And then that just gonna snowball, so it's not hard to imagine that it could happen over here.
0: I, uh, I, I did try and recommend it to guys I work with, uh, just to say, look, if you ever wonder how bad an ethical uh, misstep could go, I mean Annie Dukin's case, you could just, I said, look, we're not chemists, this is not the type of work we do, but uh, this is possibly one of the worst case scenarios for an ethical uh, fuck up in science I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Special it's with uh, like Lives in the Line. Walter White. There's never been a fuck-up of this this degree.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, actually. It's the, the Walter White of uh, <laughs> of the, the drug testing world. It's like, this, this escalated quickly, and I'm going to put all the blame on you. You can't walk away from this one. Yeah, uh, yeah so I mean, it, the documentary got overshadowed by Tiger King, um, and I hope more people see it, and you know, if you're listening to this, I'd recommend it to you if you're Inquisitive enough about uh, you know People uh, abusing drugs it's, it's worth a watch I mean you've got plenty yeah, of I mean, I'm looking at
1: i got plenty of time to do it So I'll probably stick it on in the background When I'm doing some studying or some crap like that But uh, something that has just become Or that's been made Or pointed out to me Is the fact that there's been another celebrity Testing positive for uh, COVID-19 okay. And it is uh, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones
0: The man's immortal He's not going to die, he'll be fine
1: Yeah if the virus kills him, I will start to worry.
0: <laughs> 60 years of cocaine Keith has Richards, not killed that That's man.
1: when I will start to worry.
0: Yeah. It's supposed to be him and the cockroaches after the nuclear apocalypse. Yeah.
1: Him, Chuck Norris, and the cockroaches.
0: <laughs> I know. I see some uh, st- some uh, videos of Chuck or stuff he does now. You're like, little boy. you uh yeah. not, not holding up there, champ. I'll be honest.
1: I mean, how old is Chuck Norris now? He must be in the 80s or something now.
0: Ooh, I dare we Google it, Chuck Norris. Fun of Chuck not Chuck Norris is not the first thing that comes up when you say Chuck uh, on Google anyway. what is it Chuck the TV show? uh, He by the way is eighty. The first answer for Chuck was Chuck Berry. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Johnny B. Good's pretty good songs. Mm, So yeah, Chuck Norris is eighty. So but Keith Richards. Godspeed, my friend. Uh, you, you'll you be fine.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm sure the virus is far more scared of Keith Richards than Keith Richards is scared <laughs> of the virus.
0: <laughs> the virus is scared of Keith Richards. Yeah, I, see, I mean, f- what is... If the uh, virus
1: could form a body and escape,
0: you could probably see it in real time. <laughs> I, like, uh, fuck that, I'm out of here. Keith's just like, get back here, pussy. <laughs> see, now I'm worried because one thing that's quite, I'm going to say good about this virus is that as far as we can tell, there hasn't been any, like, mutation. Like, it's, it's stayed consistent no matter where it's gone, which is a good thing, because it makes it easier to, like, build an antidote for, or build a, a vaccine for, because um, it stay, it maintains a consistent form. Um, I'm worried what's going to happen when that thing comes out of Keith Richards. If that thing, like, gets processed by his body and still survives, <laughs> it's going to come out with a, a whole extra array of, like, serious issues that it'll pass on to the next person.
1: It won't mutate in any way, shape or form. It'll just come out with a blinding hangover. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Keith Richards' blood is 90% alcohol at this
0: point. If you're lucky.
1: Alcohol and other substances.
0: <laughs> alcohol and various substances. Uh, <laughs> um, I, w- I wanted to actually bring up a horror movie for you. Yeah, to the, should...
1: the platform? Yes. Yeah, um, uh, Facebook has been saying that this is one of those films that you should watch alone, you shouldn't watch with the lights off, and you shouldn't watch while you're eating because you'll feel fucking sick or something like that. Uh, the last film that I was told about like that was The Witch, and The Witch was an awful movie. I did I not like that movie. Which was.
0: Oh, was that The the Vivitch? The Vivitch, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't watch that one, I just heard bad things about it. Actually, the, uh, the... It's not great. The eating one for this, I would say, yeah, I wouldn't eat while well watching this because it is... A lot of this film is to do with food. Um, The platform is a Spanish sci-fi horror movie uh, that is set in a vertical prison. Uh, The key concept being that everyone is set on a floor and you have a cellmate that uh, is also there with you on the same floor. And at one point during the day, a platform comes down through a hole in the centre of the room and delivers you a thing of food. Now, the issue is that the platform goes from the top all the way down to the bottom, one floor at a time. You've got like 60 seconds to feed yourself, and then the platform moves down another level. So, all right. the thing is that it's only one set of food. So, if you're on floor number one, you get all the, f- all the food, it's all fresh, and you can just gorge yourself. You'll be fine. However, okay. obviously, as, it, as that goes down every layer, more and more food disappears, and by the time you get down to like 450 or 60, there's gonna be next to nothing left on the platform. And you're gonna be stuck on your level for a month. Now you could in theory climb up or down, uh, but that's not gonna happen because this is a prison and everyone's scared, so nobody's gonna let you up on their level to eat food with them. Mm. And uh yeah, the I think um It's probably one of the most uncomfortable movies I've ever watched. Like there's something about this I'm just waiting for it to explode into violence at any given point. It does. It really fucking does. But this film is really, really effective at making you feel trapped in there with the characters. It's a really fucking great film. Um but the the whole like the setup of it, the, the science fiction nature, the whole thing about the, the, the like starving people of resources and then just the fact that, you know, the the obviously talking about stuff like capitalism and uh, like limited resources of the planet as well as just general food and you know, how we treat the the poor, the you know the people on the lower rounds of society. It's a great metaphor all the way through, and it's a great. Um, it's one that you you'll be stuck with, and you you just you're gonna have to think about it for a while afterwards. But uh, saying it's not one to watch with the lights off, fuck off.
1: I mean, it kind of ruins though. If you're watching a horror movie with the lights on, do you, do you even really need to watch a horror film?
0: <laughs> you're just a scared person.
1: Yeah, a lot of the experience of a horror film is being scared.
0: Yeah. And uh, th- there's a lot of... Um, I-, I think this is this is not like a... I-, I-, I try and convince somebody else to watch this. And they were like, is it like a supernatural thing because they don't deal with supernaturals? So I'm like, no, this is about the horror of humanity. This is just that we're all bad people, that we're all yeah, horrible, we shitty all people. Um, and that, you know, you would need a, like... <laughs> Christ-like figure to try and redeem everyone and make everyone behave as they should because um, like a bit part of the way through the film, I think about the second second act mm-hmm. um, they, they change out characters randomly throughout the, the, the movie that the guy is paired up with so you meet new people and get new philosophies on what they could do to help mm-hmm. the situation and the guy the guy who's in there, the guy that you're following uh, what's his name again? Uh, Gregor, yeah, Going. um Going is in there as a a philosopher. He's in there as like a, a volunteer, which is weird. But uh, he apparently this is a, a correctional facility. You can volunteer to join, if you're interested in some like humanity, uh, testing challenge, I guess. And uh, ah. he 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 learns uh, from someone who also volunteered to go in. She was uh, part of the. Um, like establishment she was part of the system that runs this uh, facility and she says in theory there's enough food to reach the bottom if everyone just takes a plateful of food there will be enough food to get down to the bottom turns out she's wrong but uh, they have to experience that to find out and uh, he starts trying to implement that he start they start trying to make people believe uh, that they could feed everyone if they just show disciplines and self-restraint but obviously it doesn't work. Because, you know, it's prison, yeah, you know, everyone's scared.
1: Yeah, humanity's greedy, so you're never going to get people taking just the amount, you're going to get people
0: Yeah, everyone wants to overindulging,
1: which is kind of, it's very good timing for them to release this film at this exact time.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know when it actually released, I think I've seen it there for like a couple of weeks uh, before the lockdown, yeah. but yes, it's a very good point, it's a very good point about uh, shitty humanity, but I, it's in Spanish, with subtitles, and I would actually recommend it with the Spanish uh, because you get um, the one of the, the first character you really meet other than uh, Goring is uh, Tremagasi, which is an old uh man who is in there for like eighteen months, so he's been through the ringer in this system, like he's seen as bad as it gets. Uh, I think he says at one point he went down to like four two hundred, and they're like, wait, no food gets down below level one hundred. There's no way there's any food down there. Cause, uh, yeah, there's there's no food. You don't receive anything from anyone says okay so what did you eat did you kill and eat your cellmate? and he goes nah i mean i didn't i didn't kill him but he died and i ate him you like, whoa <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, what are we talking about here and it's it, it's a, he's, his performance is so good he's so evil like you look at him and you think this is like the spanish version like danny devito he's just going to be like a weird uh, eccentric guy and then like yeah. when he responds to certain lines you're like oh it's spanish anthony hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. Like, this is, ah, this is evil. Evil
1: for evil's sake.
0: Yeah, he's, he, he's evil, and he's he's clearly demented, but he he's the, like, reality check at the start of the film. Like, oh, how bad's it going to get? There's a fair chunk of cannibalism in this movie, and that's why I say, like, when they're, they're warning, don't eat when you watch this movie. I I really, like, I watched it at, like, 8 o'clock at night and hadn't had dinner yet, so I just didn't eat. I was like, uh, oh, I just, I can't. I mean, I cooked something eventually, but... You can't really settle down for like a. a <laughs> you good go over meal. it
1: eventually, but you're still just
0: like, Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I made the mistake as well. I made stir fry beef. <laughs> and a lot of the gore in this film looks like beef. And I was like, man, this is really good, but I can't really eat this at the same time as I'm watching this fucking film. But, uh, you yeah, know, you soldier on, you find a way. Um, but yeah it's, yeah, it's a great. Life movie. finds a way. <laughs> life finds a way, especially through cannibalism. But uh, yeah, it's, it's. Episode title? Like finds a way through cannibal uh, through through cannibalism <laughs> all right yeah let's go for it uh that was <laughs> it yeah. but yeah the, the it's a gory mess this film like it's there are certain scenes you're like oh my god what the fuck happened in this room um and there are there's a lot of as they like cannibalism it's uh, gonna make some people if you're very squeamish this is not the film for you um and they are just they're doing uh, a lot of really interesting stuff with like, it's very obvious that this is the same set again and again and again. Like, they didn't actually build out, like, four levels of this thing. Uh, yeah, they're some... just reusing
1: the same build-up each time.
0: Yeah. I um, mean, it's it's Prison Cell, so it is the same thing. It's supposed to look the same in every level. Um, but it's uh, it's it's weird, and there's a lot of uh, interesting artistic choices when it comes to the actual film, and mm. it's, it's good, though. It's very interesting, like, it's... It is supposed to stick with you, and it does a very good job of making you feel uncomfortable the entire way through. So that when you turn it off, you still feel weird, like you you don't know how to feel about what you just watched. So you sit and yeah. think about it and process it. It's a very effective way doing it, especially if you're making a movie where you want people to walk away thinking about bigger consequences and lessons yeah. and stuff learned in the movie. Yeah,
1: it's always good to have a movie with a message that you need to kind of go away and think about because. As much as I love the the Marvel movies and the the superhero movies and the comedies and stuff, occasionally having a movie that in, that in there that's making you think, I mean, Joker probably not to any kind of the same extent, but did kind of make you think: Was that all worth it? Like, was that all? Was it real? Kind of made you think about what it would be like to be in that kind of person's shoes. So, it's yeah. good to have a thinking movie in there as sort well. Of. Yeah,
0: um, I, I was talking about this uh, with. People said, this is, it made me feel so uncomfortable. Uh, it reminds me of uh, like when you're watching Get Out and then you just realise something is slightly off about this world. There's something wrong here. Uh, but it's the feeling of that with ultra violence. Very impressive.
1: Get Out was good for me up until the end where they just kill everybody. I was like, you could have done that differently. <laughs> Oops. Having them trying to integrate into society and then a kind of feud or something going there would have been cooler, but the fact that he just went, ah, kill them all, we're taking over," I was like, "eh, nah, didn't like it." Yeah, still a great film, but just that last
0: act wasn't great. But I, I actually put the platform up there with Get, yeah. and that's uh, oh really was, that, that's was, it, it was a big claim, yeah. But I think if you watch it and you come back, you'll be <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think you'll. I love to see your take on it as well. So I'm hoping you, you get to watch it. But as I say, yeah, with the Spanish. Uh, Tremagosi's performance is really interesting. Like, everyone's performance is good. There's a lot of really good acting in this, but I think his mm. is probably my favourite. Because he's so yeah. creepy. Is there a dub for it? Like yeah. An English dub. Um there is the English dub available. I've uh, I-, I watched some parts of it, just like random dialogue scenes, and I've just now that I've seen it in Spanish, I'm like, I can't I can't do that. I, like I love uh Trimugosi so much, like I love his performance mm. that I don't wanna Swap over to anyone else.
1: All oh, right, yeah. So yeah, so it's weird. I'm not starts. a fan of, you know, unless if it's a cartoon, I'll watch it dubbed. But if there's a, a sort of world cinema movie, that's been dubbed in English, nah. There's every chance I'll just watch it
0: subtitled. Yeah, there's there's something that is just a little bit off with the performances. The dub actors it's do a good uh, job, but at the same time, it's a little bit different. Yeah,
1: unless it's Shun Godzilla. I'm not there for the people talking. I'm there for Godzilla. So I still I'll haven't seen it yet. On. I'm
0: gonna watch that soon.
1: Oh, dude, Shin Godzilla is great. I'll it's, try and get it. It's the ridiculous.
0: And we can uh, we can talk about it in the next episode then. Yeah, that's, uh, most
1: of my notes for Shin Godzilla. Are just oh, he does this and it's cool as shit. See that whole, <laughs> the radiation
0: beam? Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it because uh, it's the director for Evangelion, and I watched that yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah I know. And, uh, yeah, I, I that guy has some serious, like, Christ issues and daddy issues and mummy issues, and I'm like, I really hope that you've made something that shows you've gotten over that. I don't know if a Godzilla movie is going to be the place for it, but
1: we'll see. I've never seen Evangelion, so I can't really compare the two. But to my knowledge, there's not much Christ imagery in... In fact, there's not any Christ imagery in Shin Godzilla.
0: Well, that's good. He's gotten over that. That's good. Um, no, but the, most of the story of Evangelion is to do with uh, angels, and then there's random moments where it's very obvious they're going for uh, symbolism associated with like the Catholic Church and stuff like that. And you're like, ah, I, can't, uh, I can't take that out of the, the conversation right now. Like It's very obvious you were trying to do that, if that makes sense. If
1: yeah. I like, suppose you, yeah, that that does make sense. Like but at one point, somebody... Dilla, the one message that I could kinda say that you're trying to put across is just that like, respect the natural order, maybe. Like if you continue to act in such a way. because like, you he, he kinda get the sense that he's building up that Godzilla's here to punish humanity.
0: Yeah, I mean that's always but, been a central metaphor in Godzilla. So I mean if you take that yeah. out, people would have some serious questions. Like, what did you take that out for? That's the whole thing for Godzilla.
1: Yeah. And it's all and this what's more about the natural order will change and mm. then you know wreak havoc on the offending parties
0: yeah the, the there's a lot of christ imagery and evangelion at one point somebody shoots a laser beam down like a central street and it block like it blocks somebody blocks it or something like explodes with it and it explodes out in the shape of a crucifix and then at the end you yeah, it's one not point, really subtle imagery at that point, no, is it? Oh no, no no no. At one point some like a building blows up and like iron, like the steel beam structures land again in the crucifix form. And stay oh, there. No. And that's like part that's in the foreground is characters having uh dialogue in the background. I'm like, guys, try a little harder. Please, just a little bit more subtlety. Uh what else? Um, yeah, I
1: mean from what I've what I've heard, uh, subtlety. It's not really Hidekiano's way.
0: Oh no, it's or just. It's not the way of anime, my friend. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, yeah, d- they were I'll, I'll done with subtlety years ago. Although, if you uh, if you are interested in a, an interesting show, plenty of stuff to kind of dig into on Netflix, uh, Beastars is on there.
1: Yeah, I ain't going to watch that, man. It's, it's weird know, furry like
0: shit. It's borderline furry trash, but it's a damn good show. I have an absolute blast with it. Uh, the fact that, uh,
1: what's his name? It's not Takahata.
0: Oh, yeah, the Team Four Star guys did a video on it like earlier this week. Yeah, It was like Kaiser fact- Neko.
1: Yeah, Kaiser Neko. The fact that he keeps going on about it is the greatest thing since sliced bread that makes me want to watch it less. Because he has some very overly opinionated thoughts on anime.
0: Yeah, if you... Uh, there's a lot to read into it, and there's a lot of things that you can uh, overanalyze, uh, which is why I love it. But uh, I, I find it a really good, uh, interesting story, and... Uh, I think the main character, uh, Lugoshi, who's a wolf uh, a wolf guy, might be one of my favourite characters because he, he is very obviously trying to handle himself and try to come to terms with who he really is and whether or not he wants to be that person or if he wants to change. And I'm interested to see where it goes. I, I might wait for season two. I might pick up the manga. I'm not sure. It might be one of the ones where I, I want to see more, so I have to go looking for the source material. But I don't know. It's gonna be weird. I, I I obviously can't have physical copies because then somebody's gonna go, "Hey, what's with all this furry shit in your living room?" I'm like, it's not furry shit. I promise.
1: <laughs> just put it next to that weird show about the dragon maid. and No one will ask any questions. You'll be fine.
0: Yeah, that's true. It, it could sit there. Yeah, it would. It would fit nicely. I have I have it's lizard girls, it. and furry boys. It'll be great. No one will ask any questions.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone would ask any questions because I, I just, like, okay. <laughs> This is Colin's DVD collection.
0: Colin has some uh, some peculiar tastes, shall we say? Uh, right. Yeah,
1: they just accept it at this point.
0: Like, <laughs> if you see that in someone's living room, you assume there's something weirder going on. Like, you you just haven't found the drawer with all the fetish gear yet, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you haven't
1: found the bodies under the floorboard.
0: Uh, you want to talk about?
1: Eh, no. Like I said, there's not much. In fact, actually, no, I do tell you, there's something I do want to talk about, but it's not really a. It's not really a massive subject, but the a game that I've been looking forward to, The Last of Us Part Two, because I actually did enjoy the first Last of Us game quite a lot, despite the fact that the ending isn't fantastic in my opinion. But it's still a really good game, really good uh, Naughty Dog story-driven game. Yeah, the Last very of Us well Part Two is set yeah. to come out when? When? No, when? What's the date? Sorry, I'm conferring off-screen here. Uh, no, Brother
0: Gordon is filling in with information.
1: Yeah, so it was meant to come out in May sometime, but it's been delayed. No, it was meant to come out the 29th of May, because it was meant to come out around about the same time as Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive, Which, it was going to be an expensive month for the May of that month, but they've delayed The Last of Us Part 2 indefinitely.
0: Ah, huh, okay.
1: Because they want everybody to experience it at the exact same time, and they want to kind of polish up some of the rough edges that they've found. So the game is 98% complete. You just want to take the time and Spear up a couple more things, make the game a bit better, which I can't really fault them for at all. But as usual, you'll see the people who take to Twitter, probably the same people that tried to say that Karen is a racist slur, <laughs> take to Twitter and say, eh, this is ridiculous. Why can't you just give us the game if it's almost finished?
0: I, I'm not sure how I feel about that one, because the polish is always appreciated. If someone wants to take time to fix and perfect the game the way that they wanted to show it originally, I uh, I'm all for that. The uh, the idea though that it's ninety eight percent done and they won't just put it out digitally, um, I'm a bit it's more unsure. so
1: that people can get their physical copies at the same time. It's not so that they're given. They're not going to give you know, Europe are going to get it a month before, or Europe and America are going to get it a month before, you know, other countries. Hmm. I can see it from that stance. It's just being you know trying to make it fair, but at the same time, I do kind of agree that if the game's already that far into completion why not just you know do the polishing and release it digitally
0: yeah i'm not not sure i feel about that one i'm a bit uneasy about the idea that we really do just want everyone to experience at the same time i'm i think somewhere there's an executive saying uh guys we'll take a hit because we'll put out this game and it'll be disappearing before it will disappear at the, the consciousness before uh you know uh we get some really good numbers in based on sales so i don't know i'd I'd really see now i think you'd have people so hungry for good content especially a game that is from a famously good series Mm. i don't see like sales would be that affected i think people would switch to digital um unless i also
1: think that it might be something to do with the fact that it is a game about a global pandemic that destroys all of america so maybe it might not be in the best taste to release a game like that.
0: Yeah, true. I, I didn't really think about that one year, but yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, maybe it is a PR move to try and save a bit of company reputation, but at yeah. the same time, like, good art's good art. You know, If you make it well, and if it's well made, yeah. it'd get the respect it deserves. And you know, People would say, yeah, it was a bit of a, an awkward time, but I mean, still a good game. Yeah,
1: it's a weird one, but uh, people are still going to buy it. I'm still going to buy it. It just means I need to
0: i'll be able to buy it a little bit later yeah uh, i'll be
1: able to focus a bit more on Xenoblade chronicles which i'm going to play the holy crap out of
0: yeah uh,
1: i am very much looking forward to playing that game in full hd with new areas and shit added so i'm willing to dive into yet another 80 hour <laughs> rpg I, and uh, i'm gonna love every hour of that 80 hours
0: i started watching the witcher which uh, i know you've talked about on the show and uh, i could obviously I've, just watching it i only like four episodes in uh, i just finished episode four before we started and uh it's making me want to play the game and uh,
1: yeah it, it has that effect on a lot of people because i know quite a few people on facebook have said uh watched uh the witcher tv show have now bought Witcher one two and three on steam and, like the witcher one alone is going to take you about a month so you know, slow your roll by one at a time
0: yeah i'm not entirely sure if i want to play one two and three because it's just going to have age so slope- one two uh, one and two will probably age pretty bad I might go yeah, and play 3. i just
1: go straight into 3. Because I've heard I that we made or two. it with that, and
0: in mind that you would maybe have to skip 1 and 2 and go straight to 3. So I might go there. We'll find out.
1: Uh, 3 gives you a, a recap of 1 and 2.
0: Oh, than absolutely fuck 1 and 2. Sorry, I'm, I'm going straight for that.
1: Yeah, just go straight for 3. You'll be able to get 3 either on Game Pass. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. I didn't think of that. And uh, the game itself, I think I bought the Game of the Year edition or... No, just the regular version for £10. See, so it's I, not a, an expensive game.
0: I went digging for it and uh, went looking on Steam and saw that it was there for £24. Um, I was texting a mate about it as well. That might be the Game of the Year edition. No, that was the, the normal version. And then the Game of the Year was £35 uh, because that mm. includes two sets of DLC. So that includes more content, so you get more uh, yeah. bang for your buck. Uh, but I didn't know it would be on Game Pass. But if it is, uh, that's me sold. Cause if it's...
1: Yeah, it is on Game Pass And the DLC isn't expensive
0: Alright because so a mate of mine actually offered me the disc He said, look, I've got the disc here, I'm not using it If you want it, come and grab it
1: Yeah, um, I mean, if you weren't in in, I'd definitely loan you my copy If you don't have Game Pass But if you've got Game Pass And you're looking for something to do Fire into some uh, Witcher
0: Oh, I definitely have Game Pass Because it came out of my account this morning I noticed that, I saw an email I'm like, ah oh, shit, I forgot I had that still on God damn it Yeah <laughs> i never use it i wanted
1: to i was uh, trying to use game pass recently to play some minecraft i couldn't get it to download on my pc because why would they give you it for free on one console and you know give you it for free on another yeah
0: I, I, I couldn't I was, get it on pc i got oh that's what i got I, got, I got, um ori in the will of the forest ori in the will yeah, of the West. sorry
1: yeah i've heard that game's great
0: uh, the the Ori games it. are so much fun. They just you you could sit and stare at them for hours on end. Yeah,
1: I've heard the Blind Force is a pretty good game, and The Wall of the Wisps just builds on top of that. I've kind of got a weakness for those type of Metroidvania games. Like, uh, my brother is a huge fan of the game Hollow Knight by a <laughs> company called Team Cherry, and it was one of those games where I'd, I I wasn't really interested in it. But I seen Gordon play it, and I thought, you know, fuck, it, I'm gonna try it. And I think I lost about eight hours just <laughs> going running through these games, because you you get to one area, then you go, ah, I have a new item, I go back this way. And next thing you know, you've lost most of your day.
0: I wish I'd given it uh, more attention the first time I played it. I actually thought about it because I was trying to just kind of casually jump in for like a half an hour of gameplay, and then uh, jump mm. back out. And it's not really, you need to learn the map, you need to explore, you yep. need to like learn the control scheme. And I, I got frustrated and just kind of left the first one. But yeah. I'm gonna go back and play both now, because uh, they're, they're really well made games and they're just they're gorgeous. If my uh if my desktop background wasn't uh <laughs> the, like fan art of Bezel Bubs, the uh the web comic uh that I, I sent you the link to one of their music videos, it's a it's a cartoon black metal band.
1: Oh yeah, shit sure, yeah, I I still need to listen to that. Uh,
0: it's it's surprisingly good. Like it's way better than it has any right to be. But uh, I've got like the, on the website, it's, it started as a webcomic. And the, on the original website, they have like uh, desktops that you can download. And I've got one of them as my desktop background right now. And it looks pretty fucking baller. I don't know how they made this, but it's it's a really good, uh, it's really gorgeous art style. Everything looks so, like, it's all black and white, but it looks so crisp in a way. It's amazingly detailed as well. i was going through it and I'm like, oh shit, I can see like little details and little flecks of dirt and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, it's a great video. There's two videos out from right now on Century Media Records, and you should just watch them both.
1: Yeah, I'll give her a look.
0: So I also recommend that to everyone obviously listening is uh, Bezelbobs. Have fun track to Google it because there's a lot of weird shit pops up. Uh, but yeah. if you look, can at imagine the YouTube,
1: that's the name for a few buns
0: Yeah, it's it's just close enough to be Alzebob that it, it gets gets uh, you know, satanic metal clicks. It's fine. Ready for a showstopper? Yeah, absolutely. Right, this one's uh, it's gonna be stupid. Uh. sorry before you get into the showstopper one thing
1: i love about i, I know i can't wait for the lockdown to be over so we, we can record you know in the old studio you know using the proper setup and everything but one thing i love about recording is the fact that the dogs are in full view and one of them is just staring at me right now as if to say hurry the fuck up and take me out
0: <laughs> you promised me walkies where are my walkies
1: yeah he's just looking at me going dude hurry up <laughs> Funny. sorry yeah showstopper
0: Uh, So, uh, we're going to talk about a a YouTube D&D show called Far Verona, and this is made by... What, sorry? Far Verona. Um, Far Verona, right. Yes. Uh, I shall look that up. I originally made a a quote about um, Shakespeare's uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet, because that takes place in Fair Verona, but I took it out because it's pretentious as fuck. Um, So this is run by a guy called... Or it's produced. The show is produced by a guy called It Me JP um, on YouTube. I
1: have found... Incidentally, I found two videos, or the first three videos for uh, Far Verona on YouTube, were a compilation of season one. Right. Uh, season the second video is season two, episode eighteen. Yep. Episode three, or the third video in the list, is why I quit Far
0: Verona by a woman called Elspeth Eastman. Well, this is what we're about to talk about because uh, she quits for a weird reason. Um, so okay. you and I have talked about uh, Critical it. Role. Uh, we're big fans of that. It's a, a yeah. live streamed uh, podcast, Dungeons and Dragons sessions that are you know, really well produced. It's uh it's a, it's an entertaining show because it's a bunch of voice actors playing characters. And then um, yeah. we talked about this because we knew that if this obviously this is kicking off, it's massively popular. There's going to be imitators and uh, it me jp is um, obviously producing a couple of different types of shows he's doing let's plays he's doing uh, like group uh, role play sessions and far verona is one of those uh, shows that he's producing and this is season two so they're a season one it's all backed on patreon by people who want to see this type of content and uh, for that he's not actually involved in the game itself uh, but he has dungeon master adam coble uh, who is running the actual sessions so uh, Adam Coble is uh, playing as Game Master. Um, i probably say mm. Dungeon Master, but it's Game Master because it's not um, Dungeons & Dragons that are playing. It's a, a different role-playing system. Um, yeah, GM probably. So they have the show and um, they have uh, a couple of the characters and it's, what was the name of it? Elspeth? I've got a note here somewhere. Elspeth Eastman. Elspeth Eastman is one of the characters on there and she's playing a character called Johnny and Johnny is a synthetic human, kind of like cyborg type thing going on. All um, oh, right, so
1: it's, a, it's not a sword and sandals type thing, it's more of a cyberpunk thing.
0: Yeah, cyberpunk. Because um, they talked Very about, good. actually went and watched some of the episodes um, in question, which is, funnily enough, uh, season two, episode 18, and they have a... Um, They're talking about police cars chasing them down the streets and stuff like that. So... Johnny needs repairs after an adventure and they decide to go to a place that Johnny has been to off camera in a way, like he, they haven't been there in a game session, but they've uh, like Johnny knows the place, he knows the guy running it, uh, so they, they go there for uh, repairs and because none of the other characters have been there before, they're suspicious of the guy, just kind of role playing it through, they're just kind of like you know, if you're not a game, if you're not into RPGs if you were to leave a character like that alone with an NPC, a good game master will uh, use that as an opportunity to abduct or hurt one of the characters or murder them. Uh, it's kind of like saying, I'll be right back in a horror movie. You're basically yeah. begging for someone to come and change the storyline. It's a good way to or, start new story arcs.
1: To give another analogy, possibly linked to the source material, it's it's like saying, let's split up in a game of d d
0: Yes, or yeah, we'll, we'll split up, or saying, we'll be fine. You're just begging for something to happen. So the group all agree to stay with Johnny while he's being repaired. Um, and Unfortunately, that means that the entire group gets to listen to Adam Coble make some really bad innuendos. So, uh, during this gameplay session, he uh, he gets him onto the repair bench and then pulls out a a tool, some kind of repairing tool, and starts to whisper to Johnny uh, that he'll be gentle as he sticks it in. (laughs) It is... Absolutely cringeworthy, like, bad joke material, but it is kind of funny because it is the basis of him describing, uh, as he inserts the tool, he proceeds to describe what he can only term as a robot orgasm. He inserts the tool to fix uh, Johnny, which results in him having buckling knees, flashing in optical uh, receptors, and sensory overloads all over Johnny's body as he's being touched where he's never been touched before. That uh-huh. then is the last line in the session. After that, they wrap up the stream and they're like, yep, that's it. That was that's how we end the show. Um, and this is like a high-quality production stream, and everyone's got like DSLRs with good compressed microphones. This is the top quality uh, broadcast, which means you get to watch everyone's reaction to this cringy fucking joke. It's hilarious. There's a guy who has his head in his hands for two minutes while all this is going on. Like everyone just like as they catch on to what the joke is, they're like, Oh my god, we're actually talking about robot orgasms on our fucking D stream. What are we doing? It's amazing. <laughs> and uh it was it was a lot of really weird reactions as people go, Oh my god, this is gonna be in like Twitch uh cringe compilations for the next year. Um And rightly so. And uh my favourite part of this though is that Adam Coble the D, uh, the game master doesn't realise how everyone else is reacting you can see all four people on screen at the same time he doesn't see any of it and is just grinning from ear to ear for making this dumb joke that's not even that oh, funny he,
1: oh, is he, is he, I'm guessing he's all proud of himself he's all happy
0: he is so happy with his joke because you can tell that this guy oh, Jesus. has just spent ages writing this scenario because it was a pre-planned character that this character was going to be this way with Johnny, um, and Adam Cobble had written it and uh, had written it all down and had planned it all out that this is how this is going to go, and that this would be the, the comedic zinger to end the show for this week. Um, <laughs> it did not go down well with the fans of the show because it's a cringy joke, but it raises a lot yeah, of questions. Bad. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was quite bad. Like, <laughs> um, I'm not gonna
1: lie. If I was, if I was at the table my dnd table and or my pathfinder group and that kind of thing happened i would have checked the dm or said i'm out of this group i'm done that is that's is
0: bad <laughs> it, it, well this, this is the thing is that with every with a majority of players that this would have been somebody who would say would take the dm aside and say you sound like a moron you sound like an idiot um these jokes are unfunny or they're uncomfortable to be around please stop what you're doing uh you know this is how it would be dealt with. Unfortunately, um, the group or the the fans of the audience are very progressive. It's they're going for the woke crowd, um, with these gameplays. Like it's all very safe space oriented, and it's all, um, very, it's a very kind of safe environment. And uh, this this really comes out when it comes to, uh, the response from the community. Because if you actually look at that video for season two, episode eighteen. Uh, it's massively been disliked. The dislike ratio has been bombed, basically. Um, And then, as we say, uh, the the woman who played Johnny, Elspeth Eastman, has left the group because she found it very uncomfortable and made a four-minute video just summarising her opinions on what was going on. Uh, She didn't like the joke after viewing it multiple times and said she didn't want to be part of the show. Uh, And then she says she can't trust Kobo as a game master or as a friend after what he said. A bit of an extreme reaction. It's an
1: extreme reaction, but if your your GM, their whole job is to not make the players uncomfortable. Yeah, because they want to. Your GM writes days worth of content, like writes this massive story for you to play. He ultimately needs to create an environment where you're not going to want to run away if he tries to make a joke.
0: Yeah, if he
1: does something that you disagree with.
0: Now this is where it becomes interesting because uh, you you and I look at this and say, okay, it's a joke that didn't land. Um, we make dozens of them every 10 we make an episode. Um, my note yeah. actually says in here, I, I I can't really throw stones at this guy because I'm in a glass house, and I probably made five bad jokes like that this episode. Like I've made probably pretty horrific jokes at some point during, uh, Jibberfish that I pro- I could easily be hauled up for. Um, hmm. so there's obviously this fan backlash. Um, once Elspeth, uh. Puts on her uh, resignation. The other members of the cast that are on. Uh, also, just say nope. We're not. We're done. We're out of here. Um, it me JP. Uh, then has a, like an announcement video explaining. has uh, a comment announcement video with Adam Coble uh, explaining that season two is just basically cancelled. Uh, they won't do any more content uh, from that for a while because it's just they're just going to let it rest for a bit and they'll come back mm. to it when they figure it out. But what I found real interesting is the way they're talking about. Um, ...putting in preventative measures to stop this type of thing happening in the future. And they say, like, a Game Master will be planning out weeks in advance. And he, uh, obviously, Adam Coble highlights the fact that he should have seen this as being potentially problematic. uh, Because he's basically describing himself molesting a robot. And he should have thought this through. He should have planned ahead. He should have flagged it up himself to be an issue to discuss with the members of the game panel. Before it became a live broadcast,
1: so for anybody who's wondering, eh, for the going am talking for on a season two episode eighteen part two, there's two hundred and six likes to one thousand dislikes.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. It's uh, it's 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 escalating because obviously it's, it's traveling outside of just the uh, like the actual fans of the show. Now there's uh polygon articles about it. I found one on a place called Game Rant, which was a garbage fucking website, and the article itself was really bad. Um, every time they talked about something in this uh, event, they linked out to another article about something completely unrelated on their website. I was like, this is offensively bad journalism. Who, who are you people? Like, They obviously they set it up so that it seems like the link will go to something related to the content, and it's a totally different article. At one point, I was reading the article about this uh, incident and the the reaction from the community, and I was linked to a like a release of the top ten best fighting games of twenty eighteen. I was like, who the fuck did this? <laughs> who who made this article? Um, but yeah, back to like Adam Coble. Um, he says that uh, this type of situation can be avoided with the right protocols, and uh, talks about opt out cards and uh, for people who don't want to be in certain scenarios and stuff, and like just things that have apparently crept into. The, uh, role play games since you know I used to play. Um but yeah. the whole thing sounds like, like health and safety regulations for jokes. And I'm not okay with that for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean ultimately it, it does try to find line because they are saying you right, you need to you need to be careful what what with what kind of jokes you're saying. But particularly in a D&D session, you need to be careful of what your players are comfortable with. Because it's one thing that I don't do in like the current Pathfinder uh group like we've been through two gms and even before that when i played a bit of D, it was one thing i always said was like i i'm not comfortable with certain things like i'm not comfortable doing where my character's being interrogated i'm not comfortable doing that shit i'm not comfortable playing that kind of character like i'm not comfortable doing you know character romances because that's just weird to me i can't get that disconnect like most more often than not the gm is a personal friend like, mm-hmm. I can't get that disconnect of, they're playing a character, I'm just like, nah, this feels weird, I'm not comfortable with it. And to be fair, most of them have respected that uh, wish, but the, there was one circumstance where I, like, my character was tied down and interrogated and like, you know, poked and prodded and like, he cut, I got my hand cut off, I, I, I got my hand cut off, my character got his hand cut off and he got his ear cut off and he got mutilated and shit, to the point where that character was no longer playable. Mm. And all the GM all the DM sentiment at the time was, Well, we shouldn't have worked into that situation. But you had all this content worked out for my character that you now have to rewrite or scrap because you've mutilated my character. Anyway, yeah. that's just how it goes, mate.
0: Yeah. But that's that's a good point, actually, is that when you say when you speak of your character, you use the first person. You're like, Oh, I did this. Yeah. I you know, you have a connection to these characters. Yeah. And it's it's part of how people feel connected to these and then obviously the fans of the show will feel connected to the character in the same way that yeah. they would feel connected to like a tv show character
1: yeah
0: and uh yeah i, I found a couple of other sources on this uh, there was a couple of people who've managed to like find the clip of the show um if you go to uh the actual episode like the youtube episode of the show they describe mm-hmm. the um the in the, the like the top of the description it says graphic content warning for the the description yeah. of the scene uh, which I've, I find, got,
1: I've got it just now. It's like between 1 hour 15, 1 hour 20, or yeah, something like that. Yeah,
0: 116 to 118, I think it was, that uh, they've labeled that as graphic content, which I've, I've, I kind of chuckled at that one. Because um, that yeah. one's like, eh, if you find that a bit much, uh, there's the whole rest of the internet, which you will not enjoy. Um, yes. but, Maybe stay away from 4chan. <laughs> yeah. This is
1: like that, they're not going to go well for you.
0: But the the video response with uh, It Me JP and Adam's, uh, like the, the, D, the GM's response on Twitter, was really odd like he seems to like this seems to have really fucked with him if you watch the video of like him giving the delivery of the joke and then watch this video which came out like a week or two later um it honestly looks like that guy has been chewed out by everyone he knows like he looks physically beaten in a weird way like you can see the the, the light has gone out of his eyes um so i imagine it's not been a fun week for him but in his yeah. response uh, on Twitter, he talked about needing to seek therapy and counselling for making the jokes, uh, so that he doesn't act out like this. So it was it
1: just one joke?
0: Yeah, this this ninety second joke about like sticking it in a robot in a certain way and making them an orgasm. Uh, like he, he he thinks that yeah. this joke is, um, like this joke is the issue, um, and uh, like this is the fact that he would make this joke shows that he is. Acting out in his what he believes in and how he presents himself to the public doesn't actually m- line up with how he uh, believes himself to be. Like how he presents himself and what he thinks he is isn't the same. And uh, he yeah. says he's called out this type of behavior in the past in other groups. So behaving like this makes him a hypocrite. And he just wants yeah. to be uh, like he doesn't want to be that way. But he describes it as like I'm now beginning a journey which will go on the rest of my life. I'm like you made a bad joke. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, get over well,
1: yourself. The joke itself would probably cause me to leave the table. Like, it would probably make me think that I really want to be part of this group if that's the kind of shit this guy's doing. Because, like I said, I'm uncomfortable doing that kind of inter-character, like, romance thing. It's weird, weird to me anyway. But like the f- the fact that this guy's literally willing to join, like, the priesthood. Yeah. And, re- and like, uh, seek recompense for his sins and shit like that that's that's too far man you need to just admit that you made a shitty joke yeah. it didn't land it caused one of your players to leave and it caused your show to get cancelled you just need to kind of own that dog like you can't
0: yeah. it's, it's something i really you can't like, take it too far i really look i do want to call bs on that part of the apology um because he, he talks yeah. about making sure that uh like the cast and the people in the game are comfortable uh talking about like taboo subjects and having intense scenes or exploring darker areas through or through the the medium of the game, and he brings this up like in a couple different places, but that's really not what happened. You just made a shitty joke about molesting a robot. Like yeah. this is not like we just talked about the platform because it's an exploration of dark parts of humanity. You just made a joke about molesting a robot. You just you yeah. need to just own that, in a way. Yeah, if anything, you should do less
1: you know, trying to sort out your own problems and just more talking to the person that you offended and just saying, like, hey, look, this is weird.
0: I'm um, yeah, like I'm sorry I made this weird comment, this weird joke, this uh this and um, we presented it and we, we, we finished this off and we showed this is like this is the content we wanna make and uh like I've offended everyone who watched the show apparently and it just like he he does talk about the fact he's went to the individual cast members of the show and obviously it me JP and made apologies and went kind of begging uh, for it to not end the way it did, um, but obviously they're not having any of it because that's just this is just not the crowd they are. It's it's really weird, but it was it was such a strange yeah. situation. It, the, the weird thing is the the game like the, the, he's not that good a DM. He's not that good of a game manager. He's not he's not that great. The show itself is pretty hard to watch. None of them are that interested or interesting yeah. in a way.
1: That kinda explains the overreaction then. If it's a new GM or an inexperienced GM, yeah, that explains the massive overreaction.
0: Well apparently he's uh he's supposed to be like some award winning game designer. But you listen to him talking, you're like, dude, have you played any of these games before? There's no like flavor text. He just describes things as being like various objects. He never actually puts detail into the world. It doesn't as far as I can see from watching like a couple of short clips. He's just not that great, you know?
1: I mean, whats it's not really a big surprise to find out that someone who has worked in game design for a while is not that great a GM. <laughs> like, not good at social skills. I mean, it's not that big a surprise. Yeah,
0: it's... Uh, I'd give it I a mean, watch. Being
1: a, being a GM takes time. Like, you can't just walk in and expect to be great at it. You need to be... You need to kind of buy in it. You need to throw yourself in it because you're going to make... You're gonna make weird characters. You're gonna do weird accents. You're gonna to have to do things that you would never really do in your day-to-day life. You're gonna, you're gonna have to voice women. You're gonna to have to voice children. You're gonna to have to voice, you know, weird creatures with weird accents and stuff like that. You're, you're gonna to have to do dumb shit like that. So you just need to throw yourself in it. And if that's not for you, then maybe be a player instead of a GM. Maybe experience it for the other side of the table first.
0: But yeah, I, I knew this would be something that um I could maybe interest you with because it is such a weird story and it is it is vaguely t- tied to like our, our love of tabletop games and just the, the weird geeky community we love to be a part of. I mean, this, these are our people and yet here we have such a, a strange story that we just... I'd like to think this would never happen with us, you know, yeah.
1: for a number of I mean, reasons. I think, I think because of how I play the game, I would never put any players that I was in a game with in that situation. I would never make those weird, uncomfortable situations that I wouldn't talk to someone who like obviously I this this is a bit of a weird situation, but when you go with it, but I wouldn't put someone who has like an estranged relationship with a father in a situation where they have to confront their father. Like that's just some that's just a Pandora's box you don't want to open.
0: Yeah, and you definitely don't want to broadcast that moment of uh, gameplay to say like fifty thousand people. Perfect
1: example of bad GMing. The episode of the IT crowd, where Moss forces Roy to work through his breakup.
0: Oh yeah,
1: (laughs) don't do that to your friends. (laughs) Your friends will hate you.
0: And don't do that while you're all pointing webcams at each other. Jesus, don't
1: do it on mic either, because that would just you'll get. Like even even if you're doing it off camera, off microphone, and you're doing it live, you do shit like that. You're going to get punched in the face or just balled out. Like someone's just gonna go the full Christian bail on you and yeah. ball the hell at you.
0: Somebody really should just took the taking the guy aside and said, look, like, what he just did was really weird. Everyone's really like you can see everyone's discomfort, everyone going, Oh god, yeah. no. What did he just say? Um and it's, it's it's quite funny to watch them like one guy gets it straight off the bat, another guy follows like five seconds later and then there's an there's another girl in the group whose face is just open. Like you could fit a fucking golf ball in there. And have room to spare for like a couple like extra pieces of like bread or something like that. It's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a weird one,
0: but probably a probably one that that GM's definitely going to live to regret. So that's going to be our teaching moment for the day, and uh, I think we're wrapped up for the episode. Uh, so yeah. if you like to uh, send us a message on Twitter at Jibberfish or email us podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, organization. keep forgetting. Government—that's how we keep open during the uh, during the coronavirus. So uh, hopefully, yep. you guys are at home enjoying a little bit of the good life and staying yep. safe. All right, and uh, we will see you next. What time. about that essential fish? That essential fish. We'll drip feed it into you.